welcome to Wake Up at Wood 40. Uh, this is Julian from 4EB. With me in the studio, I've got Nelly from the Finnish group, Mark from the Polish group, and Monica, um, who's just happy to help around. But uh, she's been with us for quite a long time, so that's always good. Today's the last day of our broadcast. Uh, I hope you've been tuning in, and I hope you've been enjoying it. And um, have we got some good stuff for you? Because we actually have three hours of broadcast today. And uh, it's filled with a lot of interviews, a lot of good music that all of our helpful staff members have been collecting on the ground. How are you guys feeling this morning? I didn't expect so much talking from you. Like you just <laughs> woke up five minutes ago, and you cannot. I couldn't talk with you five minutes ago, and now so many talking. That's cool. Oh, uh, it's it's more so. You know, I'm on air. I have to. I have to put on airs. So. Yeah. Good morning, good morning. We are on the hill and with us, everyone else in the sunrise today. How did you like the sunrise? I thought it was really, really lovely, honestly. Um, it, it, it goes really quickly, so you only see the sun like properly rise for a couple of minutes, but those couple of minutes are pretty magical, especially with the music going on up here. And I like how many people show up, like there was full hill of people and mm. oh, I just love it. You can see on our Instagram there is a post with the photo from today's morning, right. so our radio for you be Instagram. Spruken. What's, Monica, what's, uh, what's wake up. Wake up at Woodfordia. That's the program is, we're doing. So wake up and say something. Happy New Please. Year. It's oh, 2020. Yeah, um, we welcome the new year um, uh, with, you know, grand visions of becoming a even more exciting radio station um, broadcasting to all of the communities um, here, you know, near... Brisbane and surrounds and the rest of Australia um, since we are on digital as well. So to give our listeners a bit of background, some of us didn't sleep, some of us sleep in the van, some of <laughs> us sleep like two hours, so we can be a bit sleepy, but we'll make it. Yeah, yeah. I, hope so. I, I slept a good two hours. I think I'm probably leading in the sleep chart compared I, I, to the rest of the group. I think I'll have to top you. I slept for a good five hours. Oh, that's actually great. Yeah. Uh, you didn't go out. So I did not go out. No, no. I came here, I edited my stuff, and I went straight to bed. Yeah, and um, well, it's actually nice to be here in the hill, though, although it's mm. early and we haven't had a lot of sleep because for most of the time, you know, I like the hill spot that we have, but it's a little bit lonely because we're kind of away <laughs> from the festival. But this morning, everyone's here, so. People are interested. Right where the action is. Hello to everyone listening out here. I hope you can hear me. This is Wake Up at Wood 40 on 40B 98.1 FM. We've got some great tunes for you. And I've actually put something up that'll help some of you wake up because, um, yes, as I'm uh, reading the room here, a couple of people haven't quite managed to do that just yet. We've got the Brother Brothers with In the Nighttime. They're jamming out on the fiddle. They're jamming out on the cello. And um, there's a bit of yodeling in there. So um, maybe that'll help you wake up. And we'll be right back after this and a great single from Dyson Stringer, Chloe. Oh, 
See what you're doing on the inside.
That was Dyson Stringer Clower with The Other Side. Um, before that, we had The Brother Brothers from America within the nighttime. That was a great one. Good one to wake you up because, uh, yeah, a bit of, bit of fiddle, bit of cello. That's good enough to help anyone to wake up. You're listening to Wake Up at Woodfordia on 4EB 98.1 FM. And have I got something for you? We've just had a, a pop-in guest um, from New Zealand, Mama Mirangi from Mama Mirangi and Marekura. Oh, Hello. So good. I can't believe that you just like learned that really so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. <laughs> so what's, what's the morning brought for you so far? <laughs> no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, um, I guess it's, you know, welcoming in, the, welcoming in the new year and I'm looking forward to, I guess, some really positive change and just really, really holding on to that sense of hope and mm. and the beautiful people here at Woodford and just feeling that, you know, there's some really beautiful people here and some great leaders, some great things being said, some great things being shared and some, you know, some really positive things for the future. Mm. So it's a new decade. Like yes. fully new decade, so yeah. a new leaf for you and for everyone else. Yeah, you know what? I just realised today that it was also my twentieth anniversary here for Woodford. I played oh, here wow. tw- wow. played here twenty years ago as well. Congrats! That's yeah, amazing. I know. I just totally realised. I used to be in a group called Akasha, and uh, we performed here twenty years ago. Wow! Yeah. And have you been back since, or was yes, yes, uh, as a solo artist. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So you were talking earlier, um, you've had a couple of shows here and you've had a couple of workshops as well. Tell us a bit about that. We did a lot of shows. Actually. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're busy. That's good. Wherever yeah. I oh, pop up, is. there is her. <laughs> Um, yeah, we played We played at the Grand, we played at Luna, um, we did some workshops and stuff. We did the Women's Hacker Workshop, mm-hmm. uh, and tonight we also did the um, Three Minutes Just Before the Silence mm-hmm. thing happened on, on the amphitheatre. Um, the gigs have been really, really, really well received, and it's a new show that I brought along to Woodford mm-hmm. uh, with women doing Hakka, um, Tirako, Modako, which is traditional weaponry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's really inspired the women here at Woodford because it's the whole purpose of my show show is to push forward um, indigenous youth and indigenous mm. women and really sh- showing an example of what that looks like being fully empowered and it's um I think it's gone down really well that's lovely so what do your shows entail um so I I'm a loop artist mm-hmm. <laughs> known as loop queen loop queen <laughs> It's a good title. Loop Queen Mama. Someone, someone, someone labelled me that, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll steal that. I'll put that on my bike. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we do looping and um, sing, play traditional instruments and sing in Sereo Māori mm-hmm. and English. Uh, and also have uh, the girls that do kapahaka. They do haka song, haka dancing, um, the taiaha, like I mentioned, traditional uh, weaponry, mm-hmm. and it's done by women, and, and it's so super powerful. And the women's haka workshop was incredible. Mm. Yeah. So does, because um, you often see, especially on TV, you see the men do the haka. Uh, does the women's haka sort of differ from that, or um, is it is it like... The same, the same setup. The uh, same it's well, well. At the end of the day, the intention is the same. So mm. it's it's a, the hacker is all about a cha- it's about challenging and mm. it's about challenging yourself. It's about challenging others. It's about putting messages out there that that challenge the system. Or it, it's it's in the sense of like you're celebrating challenge as well. Mm. Um, like, if, for example, if somebody um, celebrates a birthday or somebody's done something really amazing, you'll do a haka for them. So the haka for, for, for women, there's, there's certain actions that the women don't do, like the women don't poke their tongue out and all that right. kind of stuff. There's just little little things, but over overall, the essence of it is very similar. We have women's haka, men's haka, children's haka, mm. all kinds of haka. And the, it's a real misconception that it's only the men that do haka. Right. 
Yeah. So yeah, that, before that program, I would think that it's only men thing to do, but I really like that the woman is going to embrace this yeah this ritual, well so that's nice. absolutely well it's, it's not about the women embracing it the women have always done it but what's happened through um being colonized is because we we're colonized by the missionaries the missionaries themselves would not talk to the women mm. so there was never ever the history of women of our women was never shared or never publicized never written about and the women weren't even asked questions it was gone you know the men would go straight to the men because there was no equality in the church for women so um yeah that, that's that's why there's that belief there so we're certainly out mm. to actually yeah so you're you're in a way you're on the cultural forefront again of sort of you know making it mainstream again making it normal again that yes you know all all genders even children as well like participate in the haka it's not just men yeah and and not just normalizing haka but also just normalizing like women indigenous women especially mm. within the industry and trying to you know like bridge that gap and 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 you know bridge that divide that 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 that, that still exists really powerfully especially in the commercial industry not so much here like woodford i mean hey you know <laughs> it's all about women here we love it <laughs> so it's uh, just been the year of indigenous languages we talked yes. about this earlier mm -hmm. um that has passed now mm -hmm. but um you know we just said 2020 new leaf um is that is that going to impact your performances coming forward well, well, with the Indigenous um, language year of the languages, uh, we actually created a program. Ooh. So we we went to Canada, and as an act, we went to all these Indigenous festivals and created a an exchange program between our um, school our traditional language school at Kura, a Te Reo Māori school, and uh, families from there to do an exchange program with families in Canada where they swapped for a whole year and they they learnt from each other in these different schools and yeah, it's, it's yeah, so hopefully the, the, hopefully the result of that is going to come to fruition. So I wanted to ask in that exchange program, did there come any interesting differences that you came across in terms of, you know, what's the situation for Indigenous people in New Zealand versus Canada? No. <laughs> it's really funny. It, I mean, like, it, it, I mean, aesthetically, there's differences, you know, like, you know, the color of things or, um, you know, the texture of life kind of stuff. But otherwise, the essence of it itself, no. Um, you know, we, we come from colonized groups. We um, have our even our timelines and uh, are so similar and our way of being towards another that real full-on respect of like you know like it's like meeting you know can can you know can, it's that whole kinship thing going on so um yeah there's uh, you know very little differences how about in terms of like government support for your language and your culture and keeping it alive? Oh, well, you know, I think one of the saddest things is, is that New Zealand is seen, and as Māori, we are seen as the leaders in the world of, um, you know, being at the cultural forefront of creating pathways forward powerfully for our people, for our language, for our children, um, for, you know, our culture. But unfortunately, coming from New Zealand, that's a that's a sad state of affairs you know like there's stuff going on in new zealand that people just don't even know about like for example mm. my 
my grandmother's land just last week got taken by the government and was sold to somebody else you know wow. and and this only just happened last week so there's stuff that's going on in new zealand and you think we are at the forefront that's crazy you know and we travel we travel i've traveled around the world continuously throughout my career since 2001 and what i've noticed globally is being the leaders of that the world is in a really sad state but having said that we're also in a position now where a lot of because of climate change and stuff a lot of people are turning to indigenous values um which brings me to something that i'm going to do can i talk about what i'm going to talk about this morning of course of course at 11:30 this morning i'm going to be giving a talk at uh, the talking circle um i'm on the executive committee of the alliance of mother nature's guardians mm. and in 2017 we created the rights of mother earth for the world nation for the world states and for the united nations uh to be able to um in, integrate uh, indigenous values into legislation uh, for the rights of Mother Earth. So we gathered with 200 people uh, in uh, Brazil with the Amazonian chiefs and the Amazon tribes. Uh, there's about 30 of them and there was hundreds of them, but there were 200 indigenous people from around the world. We wrote the rights of Mother Earth for a period of 10 days. And yeah, we've, I've been traveling around the world um, trying to have, talk to governments and stuff to implement the rights of Mother Earth into legislations and stuff. And I'm giving a talk on that this morning at 11.30 on the uh, Talking Circle. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. There's one last question. Um, so you you just mentioned you're, you're very engaged with the uh, sort of the natural side of things as well. Does that factor into your music? It's all about it. Because you cannot separate Indigenous people from their Indigenous land right. at all in any way, shape or form. That's how, that's what, that's what being Indigenous is. Mm. So if I was to ask you, um, where is your ancestral mountain? Where, is, where are the things that su put the sustenance in the body of your ancestors that birthed the DNA in your body? You mm. have a DNA memory to that land that really is, that you resonate with because that land fed you. So there is mm. no separation between between you and nature and that's a big thing as indigenous peoples and one of the big things I, I I really try to enforce with all people especially people that have colonized the world mm. is like hey you've got indigenous roots as well what does that look like going back thousands of years when the witches were burnt when paganism existed what was paganism mm -hmm. it was about the honoring and worshiping of nature and it's about the female goddess aspect of god in nature so it's about actually recognizing that real shift in humanity needs to be in the spirit of our relationship with the spirit of nature and that's got to be our human nature that's got to reconnect us all as all as indigenous peoples taking ownership and responsibility as people in the world and that's a really big thing that when that sun's coming up uh, today in 2020 what's going on with the fires here in Australia what about the local indigenous knowledge about burn-offs and things like that and you know like really really taking those laws and putting them to your local council and putting it into legislation that's how it all starts right yeah so um, you're going to be performing in Brisbane. So could you just quickly tell our Brisbane listeners about where they can catch your shows? Yeah, so on Sunday, on the 5th of January at 7pm, the doors open. We'll be performing at the Old Museum Ooh. and we'll be doing two sets. Our first set will also include, uh, we have our traditional healers, our traditional Māori, Māori healers that will be there and um, they'll be giving healings <laughs> to the, for the audience, anyone that wants to get on the table. Um, and then we'll be doing a bit of a dance set. <laughs> 
to celebrate Woodford because it's been so good for us. Amazing, amazing. And here's to many more years of Woodford to come. Thank you for Thank being you. here. Thank you for popping in on such short notice. Mamma Mia Rangi from Mamma Mia Rangi and the Mare Kura. I've got a song of yours queued up. I'm surprising. Yes, we didn't talk about this. I'm quick. Wow. Here she is from her 2009 album No War with the title track. Thank you, Mamma Mia Rangi. was Mama Mirangi uh, from Mama Mirangi and the Mare Kura with No War from her 2009 album. That was the title track. She was just here in the studio, popped by after the uh, sunrise ceremony. And I have to say, for a, for a talk off the cuff, that was amazing, super, super impassioned. And as she said, she's doing stuff today at the Talking Circle, and she's also doing a show in Brisbane coming up, so do not miss it. 
if you want to see some really, really lovely traditional Maori dance and music. With me in the studio are Nelly from the Finnish group, Baruch from the Persian group, Marek from the Polish group. We've got Monica sitting here as well. Alex, of course, always doing uh, tech. And I saw Georgia knocking about here somewhere as well from 4ZZZ, who is our 4ZZZ correspondent for this lovely, lovely session at Woodford. You're listening to Wake Up at Woodfordia. Hello, guys. We wanted to do like a little thing about um, saying hello in all the different languages, didn't we, Marek? You wanna, you wanna, uh, you wanna do that now? Yes. Yes. Let's start from Let's me, start. Polish. Dzień dobry. Dzień dobry. Yeah. Salam. Salam which is hi. Happy New Year. Awesome. In Finnish, you could say traditionally people would say terve, but nowadays people would say moi. Uh, to say Happy New Year, you would say hyvää uutta vuotta. Lovely. And in German, it's guten Morgen, which is good morning. And um, well, I'll, I'll start with the Happy New Year as well. Frohes neues Jahr. Monica, do you want to do you want to go? In Mandarin, it's Xin Yan Kuai Le. Lovely, lovely. Do you have any other languages here? No. Uh, how is Aussie? How's Aussie? Oh, yeah. Aussie for hello. Good day. Good day. Good day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. so amazing to work in this uh, multicultural environment and exactly. meeting these old people and sharing the information about the countries and history and culture and everything. That's I really like it with 4AB and wherever we can meet with different groups because we don't have so much opportunity when we working for our own programs. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly. cool. I really like it. And um, yeah, I was I was saying to Alex a couple of days ago, whenever I do my show in the morning, uh, 9 a.m. Saturdays, by the way, listening, uh, whenever I do my show, um, I end up talking to one of the guys from the Italian group and they're always a lovely chat and I wonder why don't I talk to these people more often, but it's, it's yeah, we don't get to see each other when we're doing our shows. So it's, it's great to have everyone here from all the different groups. And as I was saying, it'd be amazing to have this for years to come. On the topic of multicultural multiculturality, multiculturalism, um, we have a, a great interview coming up that Nelly did with Tenzin Shogal. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah. Um, so, for those who are not familiar, he's from Tibet. He's a very well-known world musician. Uh, has done a lot for the Tibetan community that is um, in exile. He himself had to leave Tibet at a young age. Um, I don't know if there's too much more to say about it. I think the interview will um, speak for itself. But also. Tenzin played this morning here oh, on did the he? hill. Yes, Th that was him. Yes, that was him. Oh wow! There was also other performance, but he was, was one curious, of the performance. Yeah. Performance, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, it's really beautiful music. Um, I was actually really impressed when I went to see him at Folklorica yesterday. Mm -hmm. His voice is very, very strong. There's this vibration to it. I don't know how he does it, but it <laughs> sounds like it sounds like another, you know, musical instrument. You know, he plays the sort of traditional Tibetan instruments, and then his voice is almost like a second instrument on top of that. It's it's really great. So, yeah, there's an interview and a song. He's also a regular at BMAC, which is next door to awesome. our station for EB. So yeah, he comes there and performs a lot too so so if you want to catch yeah, him that's yeah, where yeah. Uh, apparently he likes our station as well so yeah, yeah. well i hope he's listening in yeah. and tenzin shogal thank you so much for having a chat with nelly let's get into it and also a bit of his music afterwards tenzin shogal how does it feel to be here at woodford uh it's a beautiful journey to come up here i always enjoy this it's a gathering of friends and family over the years, so I really enjoy coming up here. So you've been here before? Yes, uh, this is my probably my 20th. Amazing. And um, you were forced to leave your home country, Tibet, at a very young age, and you haven't been able to go back since. So after everything that has happened to you, 
and the Tibetan people. How do you find the strength to continue on? Um, I try to share the stories of communal story of Tibet and then also my individual story through my songs and uh, music uh, to the wider audience uh, around the globe. And, uh, and having said that, you know, like His Holiness the Dalai Lama has been out in exile for the last 60 years and hasn't gone back home. And my elders, a lot of them have passed away in hope of going back home in exile. So I think hope keeps you alive uh, and the movement of Tibetan's plight uh, keeps keeps it alive and and then passed on to the generation to generation so i guess it's the hope that instills and uh, and then also when you are wherever you are it becomes your home so in a way you are home away from home but i'm pretty sure uh, chinese empire chinese government is an empire so empire has in the history of empires they have never they will fall down at one point so the chinese it's just um, keeping the momentum of tibetan movement alive and strong and then especially keeping tibet in the minds of people i think it's very important and you have used your music to raise awareness of the situation in Tibet. So what would your advice be for young artists who might have a message that they want to spread to the world? I guess, you know, be true to yourself. And when I think using art for the benefit of others uh, around you, and especially at this point where all this climate change um, movement is happening, I'm pretty sure I think young generation is quite capable of actually taking uh, the movement forward and uh, they are taking the movement forward and they know that their home is either burning or being flooded or you know like the, all the elements are they are keeping strong so I'm quite uh, actually very positive about how the movement are being taken forward by the younger younger generation so actually we don't really need to worry as long as there is there are people out there you know like going out on the streets taking up on st uh, talking on stage and you know like every being aware every moment how to amplify the concerns for this planet so I think I'm uh, like I'm very very happy when whenever I go out on the streets like on the climate strikes or something I get encouraged seeing you know like all these younger kids that's a good positive note to end on and I know you need to get back on stage soon so I'll yeah. let you go thank you so much Tenzin thank you and thank you to all the listeners hi I'm Tenzin Chogil you're listening to 4EB 98.1 FM and Global Digital sharing the world with you
That was Tenzin Shogal, a lovely interview with Nelly and also a lovely bit of music. And as I was told, he was playing here in the morning. So if you caught that, um, congratulations. It was amazing. And um, the entire ceremony was really, really lovely. You're listening to Wake Up at Woodfordia, 98.1 FM on 4EB Radio. I hope you've been enjoying the broadcast so far. I sure have because, um, you know, we've had some pop-in guests. We've had some some lovely interviews and um, we've had a bit of banter, which is always good in the morning. Keeps you awake. We've got uh, an amazing interview right now. I'm looking at it here, and um, you said it's comprehensive, and you're not lying, Monica. It's amazing, uh, the sort of effort that you've gone through. Um, tell us a bit about your interview with Jeremy Dutcher. Yeah, so uh, together with uh, Carly from uh, 3CR Melbourne Community Radio, we interview Jeremy. Um, Jeremy is a First Nations Wustuik, uh, um people. They're the people of the river. Um, so water to them is a sacred symbol. Um, yeah, without further ado, we'll cross over to Jeremy Dutcher. Good idea. On Radio 4EB, um, I'm here today with Carly from Radio 3CR in Melbourne and the infamous Jeremy Dutcher from Canada. Yeah, so my name's Carly. I'm a Wangi Chinese woman. I'm currently living down on the Wurundjeri lands of the Kulin Nation, and I'm one of the co-presenters for 3CR Thursday Breakfast. Montreal, Canada. I'm very happy to be here today. In my language, I just said that my um, my name is um, Jeremy Dutcher, and I come from Negotkuk uh, First Nation, which is in the east coast of Canada, and I currently live uh, in uh, in what is known as uh, Montreal um, uh, today. And I'm very happy to be here. This is my first time in Australia, in Jinebada territory, and I'm very, very like, uh, I don't know, like I came from the, the very, very cold winters of Canada into this very, very sweaty place. So I'm having a good time. Jeremy, can you describe um, the territory that you're from? So the place that I come from um, is known by, by some people as uh, New Brunswick. Uh, in Canada, uh, but we know it as Wabanaki which means the the Eastern Dawn Land. And so um, this is such a beautiful territory. I really, if you get a chance to visit, I hope you do. Um, our, we call ourselves Wulustuwiak, and Wulustuwiak means the people of the beautiful river. And so, you know, when I talk about our land, of course, I have to mention the Wulustuk River, which runs all the way down our territory, and it's our namesake. It's who we are. It's where we came from. And so uh, it's very, very uh, important waterway to us. And so um, and it runs from the Gulf of St. Lawrence um, in Quebec down to uh, the Atlantic ocean and so this was a critical um, waterway for our people you know it was our food source it was our highway it was what we prayed to and so um, yeah when I talk about our land I always make sure to talk about that river Um, yeah and when did you first discover how musically talented you were I mean I guess I never thought about it as as talent 
maybe in so much later. Um, but I was always playing music. Music was always a part of our home environment. And you know, I'm the youngest of four brothers, and they are all very musical as well. Um, one of them's a jazz pianist. The other plays guitar, and uh, the other, my oldest brother, is a traditional singer. So he does like the old old school songs with like the drums and stuff, uh, which is really beautiful. So uh, music was always kind of a part of of, of growing up for us. And uh, but it wasn't, I guess, until I started to do like theater productions in high school that I was like oh like I'm kind of getting these parts like I didn't realize I had something here so I went to my teachers and just said hey like if I wanted to take this to the next level what would I do and and, and she said well have you thought about opera and honestly no <laughs> um, and it wasn't it, that this kind of music was not a part of my upbringing at all so I sort of came to it much later you know they talk about a lot of these like virtuosic you know uh, people that start when they're like you know two years old and they've been playing their whole life and and that really wasn't my story and so I get a little um, maybe self-conscious around these kind of people because I'm just like I kind of figured it out on my own I just like um, my brother was a pianist too and um, I would we only had one piano in the house right so uh, and he took a lot of time on it so <laughs> I I would just sit at the like at the feet of the bench and watch him play and then the second he got up to take a break or like I would I would sit down and, and just kind of play around. And so I never really took a lesson in my life, um, just kind of taught myself and, and, and played. You know, I think that's there's a Canadian indigenous singer named Buffy St. Marie. And she always talks about the fact that, like, we need to keep remembering that music is play. You know, we call it playing music for a reason because it, it, there's a sense of play and joy that that necessarily i think ought to come from it and that for me is why I, I think i really struggled in those like classical music institutions because um just the 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 rigidity. yeah the rigidity and how uh, they thought that this is how music is supposed to be made and there's no there's no value in other ways of being and and for me growing up with our traditional music and and having a very uh, solid understanding of that i knew that there was another way and I'm so grateful for that because uh, it allowed me to create from in that space. You know, I, I took the good from those classical music traditions and, and left the rest. You know, <laughs> I, I really do believe that. And, you know, there's a lot worth leaving, um, but there's so much worth keeping. And so uh, I, I tried with my music to kind of marry these two worlds and, and, and really kind of turn them in on each other. Because these genres really aren't talking to each other very often, you know, classical music and indigenous music. And when they are, it's often, you know, uh, there's a real big power imbalance. Mm -hmm. And often uh, classical composers just kind of like pick and choose like how they want to represent us. And there's no real dialogue between us. So that's why I think I'm trying to offer something new and say that like, actually, you know, we can, you know, create from our own space of knowledge and our own uh, and infuse our own traditions into it. And also invent and, and create new things because that is how we have always done it you know i think really even though i'm doing you know cultural music there's uh, or traditional music as some might say um tradition has never been static you know it's never frozen in a moment tradition always moves like a river and so for me i try to honor that with with what i, I bring as well because i want to as much as i want to honor the past and tradition for me, there's a contemporality that needs to come forward right now of like young indigenous people that are sitting here and, and looking out at a world that doesn't represent us. And that more increasingly, increasingly, um, we're sort of coming to um, 
uh, ecological disaster. And I think uh, within our languages and within our songs and within our knowledge systems, there's a real antidote, you know? And so I hope that, you know, my project and my music can, can keep just reminding us that, like, there's other ways. There's other ways. And actually those ways might be what can save us. Because I really do believe that the logics that got us into the problem, i.e. capitalism and patriarchy and, and um, you know, monotheisms and all this kind of stuff, uh, these will not be the institutions or ideas that solve the problem. We need to do a total 180 and rethink how we are um, living in this planet. And Jeremy, have you been uh, supported or denied of you know what you are trying to create i i think for me it's like of course you know there's a, a every every person has an opinion and you know i i'm not out to like create to appease people <laughs> i just i want to create from the intersection that i find myself and i will say you know uh for my elders i've been very very supportive because like i was saying you know they understand that culture is fluid and that uh we're in a moment right now where if we don't um have a contemporary gaze onto this issue then we're just in the same cycles that we have been in for the last you know here 250 maybe in canada 500 years so i think um the the old people are really excited about it and, and something that's really surprised me too is the really young people get into it as well because i think there's been this at least for us because i'm singing in wulistugwe our language um there's a real fire right now uh with with the young people and trying to to learn our language because i think we're like and as indigenous people too like when we go around and meet other indigenous people in canada and they're introducing themselves in their language and they're fluent speakers and it's like oh why don't we know you know, and it's, um, you know, you have to think about how colonization happened in Canada. They hit the East Coast first, right? And then moved West. And so on the East Coast, we've been dealing with the longest period of, in a polite way, I would say cultural friction. In another way, I would say, you know, cultural practices of genocide um, that have sought to suppress our language and our culture and our songs, right? You know, I, I, I think it's a miracle that I get to sit in this space and and share what I share, you know, just one generation ago, like in uh, up, up until 1951 in Canada, uh, it was illegal for us to share our music in public. And so, like, you know, this is this is pretty recent history. Like uh, the red last residential school closed in 1996 in Canada. You know, so this I have many people that I know in my life that have been uh, part of these like uh, practices that that sought to erase us. And so I think even the fact that we are here and we are sharing and we are still doing it is something to celebrate. And uh, I think the young people really get that, you know, and I think they're really excited now to hear like a song in our language on the radio. Like that didn't happen when I was growing up. So now that I can be a part of, uh, of showing our young people how beautiful our language is, how beautiful those songs are. Um, it's been really, really cool. Yeah, you know, there's always going to be haters here and there, but I, I, I don't give, uh, I don't give mine to this. <laughs> and do you receive either provincial support or, and or federal government support for your creativity? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, we're very fortunate in Canada, I think, because there's a, there's a really 
broad funding structure, both like municipalities, provinces, and uh, federally, uh, as well as like uh, artistic funding bodies like the Canada Council for the Arts and all these um, all these institutions. Um, yeah, uh, I will say like on the on the like music industry side of things, it's a little harder because I think I'm not necessarily a marketable, you know, musician for them uh, because I'm not singing in English or French um, because I'm saying some politically complicated things for them. Um, they tend to not smile on that. So I've kind of I've I've, I've released this record that I did uh, independently, uh, and I've I've really not wanted to go the label route uh and that's that's a couple there's a couple reasons for that you know with with this project that i'm doing because i'm using those old wax cylinders uh that have been in the museum for like a hundred years um for me that's a it's a very sacred thing right and i want to i want to treat that very delicately and uh with the music industry like when you sign with a label you sign your masters of your music over to that label for 10 years and they can do whatever they want with it. And for me, that kind of betrayed the ethos of the whole project, right? Because for me, it was about deinstitutionalizing our cultural material. And to sign it over to some other non-indigenous institution would have just been like, what? And so for me to maintain indigenous control of that material uh, was very important, you know? And, and you know, I, I, I like to talk about uh, this idea of, of rematriation of these materials back into our community. Um, and that looks like a couple of things, you know, for me just to like put those songs onto the record so you can hear them was one, but like the physical manifestations, like they, they have those wax cylinders and they still sit in the vault, you know, and they, our people don't have access to them unless you go through these very complicated processes. So um, for me, we really want to see those returned. We want to see that stuff come back to our people um, and it's starting to happen. And I was very exciting about that, you know, um, because that changes things when when in our community, when our people can go and they can see, you know, these beautifully crafted canoes or this artwork from like, you know, the 1800s or like 1900, like it's it's an inspiration to us and it allows us to carry that forward as well. So, yeah, I think I have received support. There's been other roadblocks, you know, people that um don't wish to see this uh, these kind of messages out into the world and um, you know that's been going on for a long time you know I just brought up Buffy St. Marie and she in her career she was blacklisted um, by the US government and so they refused to play her music on the radio she was not getting booked in venues and and so there's you know I, I, I I'm confident that things are changing and we're moving and people are ready to listen uh, but also there's an old guard to I think everywhere that that insists on um, keeping those same messages going um, and uh, yeah I think as a young indigenous person I uh, I have the great privilege of, of a different worldview and I, 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 I unapologetically want to share this because I believe as I was saying you know it is the antidote to a lot of what we're dealing with right now like if we were if we were in in indigenous worldview me too is not even like that wouldn't have even have been an issue you know because we respect our women um you know this uh you know uh like honestly there's like i could list them list them list them you know there's like there's so many of these things that we're going through right now that if if we take a different approach i think there's uh we're getting a different result so 
Um, and I want to take it back to talking about the recordings from the Wax Cylinders and talking about your latest album. Um, and I think it's really interesting that you've also mentioned you know, the ecological crisis. And I see a lot of activists, you know, really ramping up um, the tactics that they're using against the, you know, settler state. Um, and also then taking that through to like the capitalist model that artists have to sometimes, you know, resign to. And how much pop music these days um, is really forcing artists to just be producing and recording music constantly. But this process um, of yeah, creating this album has been a much slower process. Can you just talk us through that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you, you really nailed it on the head there with that question. I think the music industry uh, is really in hyperspeed right now um, because of streaming services, because of the just the industry has changed, right? And it makes it so that... Um, having like what's your next hot single like what's what's the drop like when <laughs> when when are you coming next and I think I've uh, for uh, since I started I've resisted that I think for me telling a story a story of deep value takes a lot of time and as journalists y'all know this right like it's like if you want to tell the story in a proper way you got to take the time to like do the digging talk to the right people um, sit with yourself see how it sits new and and all this stuff and so I think um, you know from from research with the cylinders to the recording and the composition and the finishing of it it was a five-year process and that's just like that doesn't happen in the music industry now and so uh, I, I, I'm trying to resist that as much as possible um, going forward but also you know it's it's hard because once the once the ball starts rolling down the hill it's it's quite hard to stop it so uh, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm taking uh, like a two months off in the new year I'm like not touring anymore I'm just gonna sit in my in my studio and and and, and write and try to come up with because you know I think there's so many stories that that have yet to be told from our community um like i was saying they don't know us they know uh, an aberration of us they know a projection of us um through hollywood movies and i think that is such a shame because there's so much that we have to offer and our stories have such a morality and 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 a message um so i want to i want to take the time to tell these stories in the real proper way and that will take time and much to the like dismay of my management and like <laughs> the people around me. But um, I, I really have to double down on, on just saying that that good stories take time. And uh, and I don't want to waver in that. Um, yeah. Something that uh, <laughs> will include that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a perfect punctuation. So. Yeah. Something that Uncle Ken uh, from the Elders Tea Room, he's a Jinnabara elder, he shared with me a very wise um, statement. He said, we, the Jinnabara people, don't speak on behalf of another culture. Yeah, I think uh, I've always tried to make my work hyper specific you know um i think even though we start to think of ourselves you know post-colonization as aboriginal or as indigenous or as native american as one i think where we're moving right now is we need to uh, invest in our sovereignty who are we as people you know i didn't um i didn't create this record for anyone other than my people you know, the, that little that little group of indigenous people in New Brunswick. And we're small, you know, and, 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 
And I, I really, honestly, I didn't think my work would have ramifications outside of my community. And I was okay with that. I, I said, you know, at the start of this process, you know, if I record this record and, you know, the only people that I hear it are my little small community, that's okay for me because I made it for them. That's the whole point. So um, I think for me, it's it's been about reinvesting in who we are as Wolostowiak and not so much thinking about like, you know, uh, you know, First Nations or Native American or, or these kind of uh, meta titles. Um, and they're useful in like political senses, but but I don't think so much in like a in an artistic sense or an in interpersonal sense. I think for me, I want to always create from the most, I struggle with this word too, authentic place, you know, because the word authenticity when it comes to indigenous issues has been really uh, used against us in a way, right? To, to, to police who is and who isn't and what is considered indigenous music and what is not. Yeah, and talking about authenticity as well, I'm really interested to hear um, your experiences about working with or just hearing what anthropologists have had to say about your community. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think you know, this archive was collected by this guy named William Meschling, and he was an anthropologist who lived among my people for about seven years. And, you know, I got to listen to the things that he recorded, the photos that he took, but also I got to read his journal. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I got to really dig into, like, his, his thought process around how he was viewing our people. And, and in a way, it, it almost, like, I took more from what he didn't say than what he was saying. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I, I just, in the ways that I understood people from the inside, I knew that he was missing the mark, you know? <laughs> I knew that he was seeing through his own lens who we were, rather than, and I think, you know, uh, I think the anthropological project is shifting now, where I think anthropologists are locating themselves more and more and more to say that like, well, I, I should just say, like, in that tradition, like, in old school anthropology, it was like the the anthropologists had no identity. They were just a fly on the wall kind of deal, right? Uh, but this kind of betrays the cultural biases and the kinds of, and their social location and where they're creating and, and where they're seeing from. Uh, and, and, and what I'm encouraged by is those young anthropologists who are, working with communities and going into communities and saying, what do you actually want? What do you need? How can I use my privilege, my education, my uh, mouthpiece to amplify what this community needs right now? And I think, and the more I see that, the more I'm encouraged because I think, yeah, uh, we're just going to get more in-depth stories. We're going to get more um, real, more authentic representations of who indigenous people are because we're not one thing you know like you're saying we are many and and we need to we need to understand that for ourselves and be able to represent that to the outside too oh you had such an incredible talk yesterday with Rhoda um and one of the things that you did say was that language orients us in the world so what has it meant for you going back and listening to these recordings from the wax museums yeah yeah so uh, I mean <clears throat> Language has been a very interesting um, part of this project for me because, um, you know, I, I uh, through this project I've come to understand and and uh, you know increase my fluency to like 
10 degrees you know it's been it's been huge to be able to like sit with these stories and these recordings and and uh, and our language too uh, it, it because it wasn't written down until about 20 years ago it changes so quick you know the reason that we think English is so sturdy and the same is because it's you know it, it has been written down and very uh, highly policed you know uh, before Shakespeare was on the scene there were many different Englishes you know and you know and so I think uh, we're in a moment right now where we need our like native Shakespeare to come in and like to come in and really ground it right now because even like in in just in Wollastook nation we have four different writing systems, you know, and uh, I, I'm very like this. This project has allowed me, you know, being an artist and being a self-employed person, I have the time and space to go and sit down and learn every single writing system that is out there. Um, and not every like some people don't even know one. So it's like being that that person who has the time and space to like sit down and, and, and try to create resources for, for people that I didn't have. You know, there's four books in our language. That's it. And one of them is the Bible. So I'll say maybe three books. <laughs> um, you know, and so I think for me, I just want to create the resources that I didn't have. Um, and that's really what this album was about. That's, you know, I'm writing a book right now and I, that's what I want that to be about. Um, I'm working on videos and, 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 and showing representations of, of indigenous people, of queer indigenous people, of, of all of the diversity of who we are. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm really stoked that I have the opportunity to do that. But language is such a central piece to that that puzzle, I think, because the more we come to understand those concepts in our language, um, the more yeah we are we are rooted in in the ground. You know, for example, like we're s sitting here in this in this beautiful festival, and there's we're surrounded by trees, and our word for trees is abysiac. And we call ourselves Wulustuwiyak. So that ending, that, that suffix of that word means the people. So these trees, you know, they are my relatives. They've seen a lot more than I've seen, that's for sure. And they stand firm. And they are rooted and located. And, you know, half my life, if I could be like a tree, I'd be so happy. You know, because there's such a... A perspective and they see the season change and they know so much and they've witnessed so much and so I think the more that I unlock and dig down deeper into that language the more I understand the interrelatedness of all things you know not just the centrality of humanity uh, which I think is 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 almost laughable uh, the more that I that I understand that you know we the earth doesn't actually need us in fact, I think it would do a lot better if we weren't around. Uh, we're the ones that need the earth. And, um, and, and being in relationship with that um, has only for myself come through my language. How do we communicate to leaders, like politicians, to influence them, to make changes, to incorporate indigenous knowledge? I, I mean, this is the central, I think, question for me and my work is like, I want to invoke change. I want to speak truth to power. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in my early 20s, um, you know, doing the protest thing and showing up to rallies and doing the rah-rah and the finger wagging and all this. Um, and I just found it never actually moved anyone. 
it's art. It's just art. You need to, you need to touch them and you need to, you need to show them your vision of possibility. And so uh, that's why I found music to be a really, really uh, powerful vessel is because there's something sub or sort of, uh, sorry, super linguistic about it. So it's above language. It's above understanding. It cuts to the core of your soul. And when you can crack people open like that and also make them laugh and make them cry and make them feel something that they never felt before, um, that's the only way you're going to move anyone. You don't, you don't move anyone by pushing a sign in their face and shaking your finger at them. At least this is my experience, you know, and that's this, this is not to say that there's not an amazing lineage of activists and people that, you know, that holding that space is very important. You know, we need to have that righteous anger as part of uh, a broad approach to change. However, personally, I have just found that you move people in love and in music. And for me, you know, I sometimes when I'm in Canada, we get like, you know, politicians like uh, the prime minister hasn't come out yet, but but like lots of like cabinet members and people are in the audience. And so I feel holding that space, there's a huge responsibility uh, to speak truth to these people. You know, in Canada, we have uh, um, nearly 100 indigenous communities with n no potable drinking water in 2019. And so it's like, this is simply unacceptable. Canada is one of the most resource-rich countries in the world, and we still have people living in fourth-world conditions. So en enough, you know? I c I c of course, I could just stand up there and yell the whole time, and I would be justified. Um, but that hurts my heart, I think, more than it hurts them, you know? And so I just try to move in love and, and, and try to um, let my song be that change. And like I said, show them the possibility that I see, because I see such potential. When we start getting out, getting getting in the way of each other, we can start telling honest stories to each other. That was a really valuable message for all of us, especially the artists. I think that there is an artist in everyone. Mm -hmm. We need to dig that out. <laughs> your project like what you have been doing was there any points where you were fearful of sharing what you have created um no i was never i was on one moment when i felt fear to share this i feel wonderment in the fact that you know i, I think about my mother a lot in this in this work that i do and and think about her experience and the fact that you know she went to these schools and and you know they were they were beaten for speaking their language and so i get to come around the world and sing in that language to you know hundreds or thousands of people um and have them you know stand up and applaud what what kind of wonderful fever dream am i living right now that that just in one generation it's kind of a 180 um, so for me, just the, the wonderment of that keeps that fear at bay. Because if, if, if I were to live in that fear way of being, I would never, I would never have done this, you know? Um, and, and I lay, I lay that wonderment and that love for this at the feet of my, my elders and my people. 
um, because they're the ones that have lifted me up. And, you know, it was it was an elder in, in my community named Maggie Paul that sent me to the archive and started this whole process. And, and it was always done in love. There was never a sense of like, you need to do this or or if you don't do this, we're going to lose it all. Or like, you know, there's like there was never that fear that entered into it from their perspective. It was always just about love and showing everybody how beautiful we were. And, and so I just tried to stay in that in that mode of being the whole time. You've really opened a door for your people. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like uh, I, I feel like I busted a door down and and I just the only thing I want to do right now is get as many of my people into that room as possible. You know, just hold it open and just say, go, 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 go. The artists, the thinkers, the writers, the, 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 the screenplay people, the, the, the filmmakers, the photographers, all like, yes, everyone in now. We need your voice right now. And so I feel like I'm, I'm sort of at this place where I'm like, you know, uh, I really just see my role as uh, amplifying other people's voices and and for me that's that's where I find my greatest value to my community or my people is the fact that you know um, you know uh, people are listening now in a different way and as much as I can I'm trying to point people in the direction of other thinkers and other resources that will expand that worldview and uh, and keep that door open for a long time. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for sharing your time this afternoon. Um, it's just been yeah, so incredible to hear your thoughts um, yeah, about where the Indigenous resistance is going to next. And yeah, something beautiful that you said yesterday is that people are now at the stage where they're curious enough to listen. Um, and I think that is just such a great place to be in. I will hold on to your words, Jeremy. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Okay, this whole time has been a celebration, so I'm just going to sing a celebration song. I'm 
That was Jamie Thatcher with Okiton. Uh, before that, an interview with Monica, which was amazing because uh, it was super, super in-depth, super inspiring. You're listening to 4EB 98.1 FM. Wake up at Woodfordia. It's our last wake up at Woodfordia uh, here on this fine 1st of January 2020. I still can't believe it, and I don't think I'll be able to believe it for at least a month because it just always feels odd, doesn't it? I already, I didn't used to writing 2019. Still, sometimes I will <laughs> yeah, pass 2018, yeah. and now it's 2020. Exactly, it's going to be like it's a two a instead new, of the, the new one. Decades, gonna, yeah. Oh God, I don't even want to go into it. It's going to mess up documents for months to come for me. Yeah, so. that's true. But at least it's easy, like 2020. Yeah, but. true. It, it, it sticks easier in your mind than like some of the teens, the later teens. You're right. You're right. I'm Julian from the German group. With me are Nelly from the Finnish group, Barus from the Persian group, and Marek from the Polish group. Um, how are you guys feeling? It's it's been a little while. I mean, we've had coffees. We've just had coffees delivered. So, um, have you have you woken up a bit? Definitely. Things are looking <laughs> up. I've been caffeinated, and also I did have some sleep. So obviously, yeah, I've got a head start. I, I haven't had sleep for like twenty. Eight hours at this stage. Jeez, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah. I have twenty four. Not, not normal for help. me. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't. I decided to not have a coffee, so maybe I haven't. Mm. I, I try and get a nap after this, but I think <laughs> with the sun, it's gonna be it's, it's really hard. impossible. Yeah. I sleep up here every once in a while after the show, sort of you know when things die down, when it gets a bit cooler, and the sun is it's hard. Yeah, it just yeah. pokes through your head, uh, like your your hat. We just and need to power yeah. through the next we day, do. and then we can go. <laughs> Be fine, yeah. So what what's on your radar for today, Marek? I actually don't know. Oh well. O- other than the closing ceremony, which is supposed to be amazing, mm. I I actually talk with the girl that is organized, like the company that is organizing the whole event, and she said that they need to do a lot of adjustment because of the fire thing. Right. So they did it a bit differently. So we'll see. We'll see amazing show, and I'm very happy that we did that at Woodford. Like we mm. cancel the fire event, and we have good event because, like you know, nowadays there's so many technology that we can amaze people that yeah. we really don't need this. Like we have projections, we have so many different things that we can do to amaze people that we don't need this fire that making so much problems in Australia lately. Especially right now, you're you're right. Like with sort of the controversy going on in Sydney as well, which I'm not gonna go into because it's it's politics yeah, and I can't be bothered. True. But it's it's solidarity for people who are doing it tough right now. Like there are a lot of people in Australia who are, you know, having a rough time because of fires and to say, hey, you know, it, it feels a bit on the nose to do it like that. We're not going to do it. And you're right. There, there's been some amazing music um, last night. There's going to be some amazing music tonight as well. And um, there's been some really, really great sort of um, processions, some great parades with, with puppeteering um, sort of in place of the fires at the opening ceremony as well. So I feel they're going to knock it out of the park no matter what. And, and um, I don't yeah. know if you know, but also there was the uh, Latern, Latern? Lantern, L- Lantern, Lantern, yep. making workshops every day. Oh. So there will be the parade of that as well, like just before the performance. So that will be nice to awesome. see as well. There will be like thousands of them. So I love the lanterns. They're so beautiful. I think that's like really beautiful in the dark. So you mm. don't really need a fire. It's a it's a thing we do in Germany um, in le- like later during the year. Um, it's sort of uh, it's a remembrance day for for a saint who um, he, he gave a, he gave his coat to like a beggar 
and he was canonized for sort of like all the good deeds he did. And part of part of that is you follow someone on a horse uh, with like self-made lanterns and you sing songs and you have a big bonfire and stuff. So it's it's close to my heart to to see people enjoy you know like lantern walks. Um, so I'm gonna go and have a look at that. And now when you said that, I remember from my childhood that we are bringing some some of them to the church. Oh. I have no idea why. It was now, but it's, <laughs> it's, I need to research it probably. So it's for Saint but Martin. I'm not sure if in Australia I, they don't do it at all. Um, I've oh. seen it in Melbourne. The Swiss group set it up. Um, when I was working there, but it's again, it's sort of like a more of a cultural thing. That's like a side thing. They don't do it in Australia. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. if anyone's seen it, um, congrats! It's lovely. And um, if you're here at Woodford, go and check it out. Who uh, who else is doing something today? What about you, Bruce? What's on your radar? Yeah, I'm a bit undecided really <laughs> to say or to go. Yeah, like it's been a few big days, but yeah, and I've got a sort of a busy day tomorrow in Brisbane. So. Fair. Got a few things on, but yeah, at the same time, there's a lot of good stuff happening. So yeah, I'm, I'm, it's my first Woodford experience, so I like to see see what's happening. So maybe I'll True. check the program and see how I go after this, because like we said, haven't had much sleep last night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. catch some Z's yeah. first and then go and see. Yeah. And that, that's the thing a bit about Woodford, like you don't know a lot of things on the program, mm. but you can just walk around and you can hear some good music. Yeah, I will stay here for half an hour. That's right. And it's nice music. You can just then Spotify it and listen at home. So of that's course. that's something that I really like. Like I, I didn't know like probably 90% of the groups and I already have like five that yeah. I start in my Spotify that I want to listen later. So that's pretty cool. I Same thing here. I, I came with a couple of artists that I maybe had a chat before that I've seen yeah. sort of as supporting acts in Brisbane for other concerts. So I was like, oh, I'll go check these two, three guys out. And then at the end of it, I have I now have like a dozen CDs of acts that I've never heard before. But I was like blown away by the performance, like well enough that I was going to buy the CD and play it and Spotify as well. And it's, it's great to have sort of the serendipity of it. You walk around, <laughs> you hear something good, you go and check it out. You walk away with some like great experiences. So it's it's, it's amazing. And, it's, and speaking about the CDs, there is a big shop like the mm. festival shop that you can buy CDs, souvenirs, T-shirts, and stuff, CDs. and also vin vinyls. Yeah, yeah, that's where I've been. That's and we have the vinyl player in yeah, the radio. Yeah. Like I sometimes use it for Polish program. Yeah, like, and a lot of the be old big school. big artists these days. Yeah, when they release an album, they do yeah. them so vinyl. Version, yeah. yeah, for DJs. Yeah. Vinyl set of resurgence, and I hope CDs do as well. I mean, they're still being made, but uh, I hope sort of they're going to have the same thing coming up as tapes do now as well. Hmm. You know, whether they're, they're going to be in fashion again, because that way I'll be cool and yeah, I like being cool. The, the thing <laughs> with the tapes is that you still can listen to tapes in the car. Yeah. It's very and hard with that. It's very, very hard. Yeah. Imagine, imagine a vinyl player in the back of your car. <laughs> Um, I've got a I've got a couple of things. Um, I've been getting really into sort of the uh, the folky, poppy, uh, bluegrassy country stuff here because there's a lot of really really amazing local and international acts coming to do that. I've just played you the Brother Brothers before, who are from America um, with their well, I call it Appalachian folk um, and uh, bluegrassy country east stuff. I've got Ohalo as well, uh, Tiana and Brianna, folk pop and sister duo. They're going to be playing a two day later on during the day. Let me check the time. I'll be at 11 a.m. at the Pineapple Lounge, and also um, mainly the reason why I'm still here today, and I'm not going to call it quits after this radio show, is going to be Neil Gaiman, who's going to be chatting and reading from his works up on the hilltop right next to our van. Um, I will not miss that for the world, and um, I'm really keen to ask him a couple of questions, so if he's game, um, definitely, definitely going to check that out. And if you're a fan of his works, if you're a fan of fantasy, um, be there or be square. 
you, you, are, you are just a cheater. Like, you put <laughs> us on the spot with the question what we want to see. And, and you had everything here. prepared in your phone. That's like. one we could host. <laughs> <laughs> Organized. That's it. Very yeah. German. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Nelly, you said, um, you said you won't be long for this world after this. What's your plan for the rest of the day? Yeah, when we wrap up the program, it's um, heading back down to the Gold Coast for me. I'm mm. going to spend some time just chilling you know some surfing therapy and relaxing nice. before i actually have to go back to work so yeah <laughs> i've really enjoyed woodford but also at this point um my tent is quite dirty and mm -hmm. messy it's filled with ants so uh, i yes. actually got bit on my arm in the dark the other night and i didn't know what it was i was just that hoping was, it's not a spider Julia. you were scared yeah <laughs> that was me yeah <laughs> no i i get you i get you i slept in the van here last night and no ants this time but there's there's a couple in the tent. They get they get into like the fly area yes. and they're just kind of crawling around and it's yeah it's they've scary. climbed all over my tent and oh. when I open it they just fall in sometimes yeah. and, and then they just make a life for themselves there. Yeah. But yeah, Woodford's been great. I feel like I have really you know got my you know sort of heart full and my inspiration jar full you know with all mm. these acts that I've seen. So yeah, I think I'm I'm ready. Uh, speaking about getting rest, like and and like how much is happening on Woodford? How did you like first timers on Woodford? How did you feel about the three minute silence? I like the idea, but I think it would have been even cooler if it was actually at midnight. I think they did. I I was actually thinking about that, like for a half an hour, because I think about stuff like that. I think it's because many people calls. Calls family and stuff True. like that at midnight, so there would be like the yeah, cell I did phones ringing and stuff calls like that. Happening. It would be difficult. So, It'd be difficult. Yeah, and the majority of people want to scream and people yeah, want yeah, to party. People yeah, want to yeah, party. Yeah. It's yeah, I the reality. You know what yeah. you could do is do three minutes silence from eleven fifty-seven to midnight, and then at midnight you go. go yeah, yeah, we should, we should put that. The voting thing because oh, it's a good idea. I yeah. think it's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. But I really like like there was five days of of festival. Even when we go to sleep in our tents, we can still hear the music mm. and stuff going on. And that was the only three minutes that we can hear the old nature and stuff around us. And that was very amazing. So can you fill us in on the three minute silence for the people who may not have made it to Woodford? What was that about? Uh, so eleven thirty there. All the years before, we also have candles to mm -hmm. light, and that was very beautiful look on the people with candles and stuff like that. But this year, it was only tremendous silence to just remember all people and all times that passed. So the people who, who aren't able to make it to the festival anymore yeah. for one reason or another. Fair enough. It's a lovely gesture, and uh, you're saying you, you feel really in touch with nature uh, as well, because, yeah, normally until 2, 3 a.m., you, you have revelry going on <laughs> on the festival grounds. makes it a bit hard to sleep at times, but it's nice to see people are enjoying themselves. So, yeah. On the topic of that, um, we have someone who is very much enjoying themselves uh, this year and also last year. You may have heard her on the radio if you tuned in to Wake Up at Wood 40 last year. Our very own Rima from the Arabic group uh, stopped by the van yesterday, Arvo, um, had a quick chat. And uh, let's see how she got on. I'm with Rima from the Arabic group at 4EB. It's lovely to have you here as a um, as a festival goer this time, Rima. You used to be with us on the uh, Wake Up at Wood 40 team, actually. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. I'm glad to be here. 
So what have you been up to in the past couple of days? I was here with my daughter. She's nearly five years old. And after I came here last year, I thought that it would be a good bonding experience for the two of us to come here the following year, which is this year, and um, see the children's festival and see if she enjoys it. And um, actually, surprisingly, she enjoyed it more than I thought. And she wanted to stay more. Um, but um, eventually, I drove her back to Brisbane yesterday so that I can enjoy myself. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So you've been saying before that you, you like a new site up here on the hilltop. Uh, is it, what's, what's it like compared to last year? Oh, here? Yeah. I like that it's um, on the top. There's a nice breeze coming and it's more um, quiet here. Mm. I like the setup outside the van. Um, you guys are very um, established <laughs> in the area. <laughs> yeah, that's really, that's really nice. Yeah. So, who are some standard acts you've seen in the past couple of days? Like any any big bands, any great like performances? Uh, we mostly stayed in the children's festival because of my daughter. She enjoyed um, the talk with Costa and the Dirt Girl Band. Yes. And um, today I went to um, Anthony Albanese's talk. Mm -hmm. uh, he was talking about the legacy of Bob Hope. Um, I went to Irish dance. Um, what else? I'm now I'm heading to Palestinian um, Dabki soon, and yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay up partying all night now that it's um, New Year's Eve. I'm so looking forward to it. I'm enjoying it. Any plans for tomorrow? Um, I'll stick around for tomorrow. There, there's one talk that I want to attend tomorrow for Jonathan Street, and I'll definitely do uh, the event at night. And yeah, I'll probably stay the night or not. Not sure. <laughs> Fair enough. So how's the camping experience been? It's been really um, different, especially that I came here and I needed to set up the tent myself <laughs> because I came here with um, a very cheeky girl. As soon as she walked out of the car, she found a friend Aww. and she hooked up with her. I don't know where she was, but I could set up the tent. <laughs> and then when I was setting up, I'm like, looking, I need to um, stand, you know, stand up the tent. And um, when I did that, Apparently, I was doing everything wrong, and that was when I got help. <laughs> One of the guys came and he asked me, "Did you set up this tent before?" I'm like, "Not by myself." <laughs> so he could show me all um, what I what I was doing wrong. So I got help, and um, it's standing still. <laughs> I had a little trouble with my tent as well. I have to admit, I don't camp often. So, as a as a wake up at Woodfordia alumna, um, how how are we doing? Like, do you do you reckon we're doing a good job? You like our setup, so that's that's a start. I love the setup, and um, I trust the team here. <laughs> I trust them all. I trust you guys. Um, unfortunately, I've been I haven't been able to listen to the program, but I will tune in this. Uh, tomorrow morning uh, now that I'm more um, you know I'm more free and I can't listen to you guys so I'll be looking forward to it and yeah you guys are doing an amazing job thank you so much for being here it's lovely to have you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your festival thank you it's always a pleasure
um, if someone's arrested at a, at an XR protest or something like that, blocking all the water down. Um, how, how would that how would that work in with this legislation, for example? Because it's not retrospective. No, so the process for that legislation was, was not really that. of unreasonable use of a lock-on device. So possession itself is not unlawful, it's the unreasonable use. So the Human Rights Act is going to have to factor into the interpretation of what is an unreasonable use. If you go to international law, what this, the amount of disruption that is tolerated in international law as part of the right to peacefully protest, and I emphasise peacefully, is well beyond what the courier mail would have you accept as reasonable. So days and days of, of blocked roads internationally have been accepted before you can justify interfering with the right. In Queensland, what we've seen is very small uh, minor disruptions in Queensland traffic, really. Um, my staff have been caught up for maybe 10 minutes in the way of getting to work. I, and the question is, what price are we prepared to pay to retain our democratic freedoms? Are we only prepared to wait five minutes for them? Or are we prepared to sit there and deal with it because we know that it's important that history-making changes to our society have occurred because of protest actions like this? Inspiring words from uh, SBS Brisbane correspondent Stefan Armbruster, who's a fellow German, uh, I've met him before, at the uh, talk a couple of days ago on creating a human rights culture in Australia. Baruz and I were there listening to yeah. it, and I thought it was really, really quite inspiring. Uh, before that, we had Boba Markovic uh, with his orchestra, and as bright as the sun, and our very own Rima stopped by the van yesterday for a quick chat. You've been listening to 4EB. Wake up at Wood 48. It's currently 7.39 a.m. And it's already really warm outside, so we've closed the doors to our van and uh, hope we don't hope we don't get cooked in here. Uh, I'm Julian from German Group. We've got Nelly from the Finnish Group, Bruce from the Persian Group, and Marek from the Polish Group. How have you guys been doing? We just talked about the chat before, Bruce. Yeah, very good. Uh, the chat was quite good. Yeah, that's just getting back to that yeah mm. another aspect of Woodford it's not just coming in for like six days and forget about life exactly and, yeah society and you yeah, just have, have fun and listen to good music there's a lot yeah, of really good a workshops lot, there's here, a lot yes. of good workshops about yeah society and culture and law and yeah a lot of 
good things happening. Yeah, and that was just Scott McDougall. Mm-hmm. He's the new Queensland Commissioner That's for right. Human Rights. Yeah, he was also yeah, there. He was, and he was in, an interesting character because he was quite controversial. And and also qu- the government. Yeah, and quite and, young yeah. for for such a position as well. Yeah. So I found it inspiring that yeah. someone like younger can can you know like lay down the law in that regard and actually speak very frankly about it. Yeah, yeah. But he was yeah. He seemed quite honest and mm. genuine. And, yeah, yeah. Who who else was there? We had a um, pardon me. We had an, uh, an indig- in indigenous representative there as well, and um, we had a lady from a human rights organization. If I'm correct. Yes, we had uh, the mayor of Torres Island. I That's think. it. Yeah. Wanda Malone, mm. uh, and there was a woman representative from the LGBT that's uh, co- it. community. Yeah, that's uh, it. Which I can't remember the name. Or that's fair. Like, it, like I said, it was a it Mat- was a Matilda Alexander. Yes, yeah, there we go. And um, all different aspects, sort of like yeah, we had the indigenous, we had the the First Nations perspective on human rights. We had um, yeah LGBTQ um, perspective on it as well, and then more of a more of a law and and sort of uh, how would I say. Um, like the the common Australian perspective as well, sort of like from from people who've lived here uh, in the cities for quite a while. So it's it's interesting to see what human rights mean to different groups in Australia, and it's also important to figure out that yes, we need to negotiate all of these perspectives in order to have a decent culture here. It can't just be one group. It can't just be excluding everyone else. It has to be everyone. And um, I thought the reception was really quite good, and there were some interesting questions asked, and um, people seemed really keen to be there, which I thought was good, because yeah. it means that you know you're not just here to listen to music and get drunk. You also coming here to to hear inspiring things and participate in discourse and um that's part of folk culture just as well as music is so well it's actually interesting what you said like it's not that we going here and having fun and stuff but we can forget about the outside world like for the Mm. six days there is no outside world like i don't know any news from anywhere like It's just Woodford, which is cool, and there is a lot of things, and that's cool. Like you can find your niche, and you can listen to stuff, you can listen to music, you can dance, you mm. can do some uh, workshops, the artistic workshops, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like I said, I you can talk, find talk to one of the um, stallholders. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can talk I to the stallholders. I, I said yeah, yesterday. You come in, you think yeah, you're in a bit of a dreamy situation for like six days and then yeah like yeah it is and it's also dreamy because the people are so nice happy and like good people i think yeah positivity and everyone's mm, happy and helping and kind and and accepting yeah it's not like that in generally (laughs) yeah normal modern societies but yeah it's and also other festivals Yeah, yeah, I find that other festivals I've been to, people can be a bit more pushy. You know, in mm. the, you know, when you're watching a gig in the audience, people can kind of push you out of the way, or you know, people try cut lines, things like that. None of that here. Everyone's very relaxed and everyone's very friendly. Which can be a bit annoying when you're trying to get somewhere. If you're running tight on time and you have to get a line out from a desk somewhere, that can be a bit annoying. But in in general, 99% of the time, it's really, really like uplifting, refreshing, amazing. I mean, everyone who comes by the van and has a look says hi, says happy new year. You know how some kind words to say which um i i when i came to australia first i figured that was sort of the spirit here and i'm I'm reminded again that like you know it's very much still the spirit here and that's always great i found it amazing how people have like come into their own here at the festival like part of our team i mean marek's really been hitting the dance floor in the past couple of days (laughs) crazy's been loving the circus um and i have to say i like the circus as well now um i went a couple of days ago and um, we're actually going to do a segment on that uh, in a couple of minutes. We've had a chat with the lovely folks from Club Briefs, who have uh, just absolutely been amazing. I think we've all seen it now. 
and yes. um, they were terrific, so good. But yeah, everyone's yeah. been finding their niche. Everyone's been been finding something they enjoy, and that's magical. I have to say, it's great. We've got a um, we've got an interview coming up that Nelly did with uh, Scotland's own Siobhan Miller. Tell us a, a tiny bit about that, and we'll launch straight into it. She's brought a song with us as well. Yeah, so. Um I think this might be 2019 as well, so not this year, but last year. Maybe it was the year of Scotland, or maybe it's... I'm not sure. It's part of Woodford anyway this year. But it's it's wider than that. It's in Australia. It's the year of Scotland. Not sure what day to what date, but there's a you know multiple scottish acts at the festival mm. and um Chevin miller was one of them and she's actually touring australia after that as well so the oh, scottish bands that were here at the festival they're going to be in tasmania they're going to go to new south wales so they're just you know touring and uh, bringing a bit of their culture mm. and yeah she's a singer songwriter mm. she does quite you know um she's influenced by the scottish traditional folk music quite a bit but then you know also writes her own fresh new songs that are inspired by the old stories and the past of Scotland. So yeah, it's a very, very like interesting young, new, fresh talent Amazing. coming up. I've, I've found as well just before we we launch into the interview that a lot of the artists uh, playing here are then going to be playing somewhere else in Australia as well. So it's sort of Woodford is their start or maybe like part of the journey, and then they come along and play like a bunch of other venues. So if you happen to not have made it to Woodford, you'll have the opportunity to sort of collect a couple of impressions of Woodford um, if you're in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, wherever you are. Come and see some acts and um, relive the magic of this past week. But here is Siobhan Miller with a lovely chat with our very own Nelly and uh, afterwards with her song Mercury. Miller and you're listening to Radio 4EB 98.1. I'm here with Siobhan who has just finished her set here at the Lunar Stage at the Woodford Folk Festival. Siobhan, you just landed in Australia not that long ago. How are you feeling? Very good, actually. Um, the, obviously, the, the jet lag um, can be a bit tricky, but we're, we're doing all right. It's also your first time at the Woodford Folk Festival. What's your first impressions? Absolutely amazing. I'd, like I got the brochure sent through um, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think I had quite realised how huge this festival is um, and we had a brilliant day yesterday after um, we had a lovely we did a really nice couple of concerts and then just did lots of exploring and it just the site goes on and on and on there seems to be so much for everybody families every corner you turn around there's something magical <laughs> you write a lot of your own songs you write your own lyrics where do you draw your inspiration from each song is different um, I've spent a, a, a lot more time over the last couple of years co-writing with the band members um, so that's been that's a that's a process that always takes songs to a new place. I might start with a verse and chorus or an idea for a theme um, and we quite often will then go and workshop the songs um, and the lyrics might change throughout that process depending on where the music's taking it. But I, I, I often write things based on poetry. Um, there's a couple of songs that I'm doing here that come from a couple of my favourite Scottish poets. So I take their, um, their words and then write a new song off the back of that. But also just personal experiences. There's ones about um, travelling. I guess I'm, I'm always drawing from whatever whatever is inspiring around me. Yeah, and you're from Scotland. You said you're from outside Edinburgh. Your style is very traditional Scottish in a way. So how does Scotland inspire your music? In lots of different ways. I think, I mean, I, I grew up, I came to music through folk music um, and through traditional songs. So my love of the traditional songs really came through the, the storytelling that goes hand in hand with a 
lot of our traditional ballads and, and Scottish songs and I, and I think that has probably played the biggest part in inspiring and influencing the music that I write myself. I really, when there's a story to be told, I, that's what I get really excited about and um, so many of our traditional songs have, have great stories and one of my favourite things about singing them is telling those. In Australia there's quite a large Scottish diaspora or a lot of Australians can track their ancestry back to Scotland. Actually even at our station we have a Scottish programme. So can you tell us a little bit about what's Scottish culture and Scottish music looking like in 2019 or 2020 when we're leading up to that year and yeah. decade? Well it's really exciting to be here this year in particular because it's the year of Scotland in Australia so um, there's all sorts of Scottish events happening across the country um, but we're part of the kind of the kickstarter for that there's um, myself and a few other bands that are over at Woodford part of the year of Scotland in Australia and I think you know folk music and the themes that go along with folk music it's it's the music of the people and everybody that I've met here seems to be really into folk music and into that process of songs and tunes and stories being handed down throughout the generations and I just think that that's such a relatable thing that I would hope that here in Australia people are as into that as, as we are and enjoy us sharing our culture with them but I'm also really excited because we're here with the Festival of Small Halls and after Woodford Folk Festival we're heading out on the road touring in Tasmania, New South Wales, we're in Signet Folk Festival and Illawarra Folk Festival. We're going out into communities that um, we might not have got to had we not been brought over as part of this tour and as well as sharing our cultures and traditions with them I'm really excited to get out and meet people and find out about the, the cultures of Australia, what, what the similarities might be. You played a role in the TV show Outlander, what did you play and how was that? Yeah that was it was a lot of fun, it was a couple of years ago I was asked to, they needed somebody to come and sing a, a very traditional Scottish song in Broad Scots. Um, at the main characters, she had a song and it had been stolen from her and I had to come in as the person who was the thief. So I'm kind of dressed up and I'm in the forest. Um, it was filmed just outside of Glasgow in a big estate um, and I was singing this this quite rude song, that's all I'll tell you, um, on the microphone. But it was really fun and I hadn't done very much television and certainly not where I'm having to act a role. So it was really interesting for me and I got to meet the cast who were all amazing. And I've, I've, I guess since then realised how big Outlander is across the world. Everywhere I go, people say, come and say, oh, were you play it? Were you that person singing? Which, um, I, I don't know whether to be worried about that because I was actually dressed up as a boy and it, I was meant to look like I'd been sort of dragged through the forest for a week. So people come up and recognise me. It's a bit worrying. <laughs> you have a few more performances here at Woodford, but will you get to enjoy the festival as well? Absolutely. We've that This morning was our only show today. So um, we've got lots of the brochure circled to go out today and see as much music as we can. But, you know, in between our shows tomorrow and on the also on the Hogmanay show, we'll be seeing as much music as we can. You know, there's not just music, there's workshops, the circus tent as well. We saw some incredible things there last night, so I'm, I'm really excited to get out and explore. Thank you so much, Siobhan, again, for having an interview with us, and I hope you have a great time in Australia. No problem. Lovely to meet you. Thanks very much. Shit. Sure.
That was Siobhan Miller with Mercury and before that a interview with Nelly. She sounds so genuine. She sounds so happy to be here. And Yeah. yeah I think really, she was really excited. Mm. It was her first time in Australia, as she said in the interview. So yeah. And first time as Woodford as well. So yeah. warm Woodfordian welcome to Siobhan Miller. Um is she is she still playing or has she wrapped up? I'm not sure. She was playing at the Scottish the Hogmanay, Hogmanay last yes. night. Mm-hmm. She might still be playing today, but I, I'm Fair. not entirely sure. A couple of the um, the British Isles actors still playing. So um, I saw. I need to. I need to remember her name. It was Brayda Shamble, um, who, um, Gaelic piper. Uh, she's still playing today. So then, maybe then probably the uh, Siobhan would be as well because I think they're touring together as the year Scotland. I have to go. I have to thing. go catch her because um, that like Mercury, great song. I've listened to a couple of the other ones as well during downtime and love the voice. Love sort of the the backing music. So that's going to be on my radar now. I have some couple of other things to go to now. My name is Julian, you're listening to 4EB 98.1, Wake Up at Wood 40 We're actually coming up to 8am, uh, which it doesn't feel like it. It feels like we've been up for much, much longer. Um, I feel like no. this has flown by. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Maybe maybe my, my sense of time is a bit different than yours. <laughs> you, haven't been, you haven't been asleep at all, so that's maybe it. You're sleeping between the talks, so like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you feel that it's yes. longer. That's true. That's yeah, true. Julian's been nodding off a little bit, mm. and head touching the desk in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, sleeping, in, sleeping in the van, I'm not used to it. And <laughs> camping in general. I, I can't, I sleep, but I don't feel restful afterwards you know what i mean like especially because we're camping on hillside i wake up i'm at like the bottom of my tent rolled up uh, into the side <laughs> and i just can't rest i'm seeing a wallaby jump around outside which is really cute you don't so get to see idyllic. them very much yeah the beetle just behind you oh, as well yes yeah. we've Nature. had uh, we've had the occasional guana come up here as well and they're huge here so always cool to see some wildlife did, did you see the sign in the Woodfordia? like don't fit Goana, he's on diet. That's very funny. <laughs> also, don't feed him; they'll bite you. Um, that's another thing. That's but very Woodford. Even the signs that tell you mm. not to do something—they're very friendly yeah, and playful. Are. It's not like "Don't go here." It will be something <laughs> quirky. They, they actually had a talk here. Correct me if I'm wrong about like feeding birds, like why you shouldn't feed birds, like why it's like scientifically and like you know culturally not a good idea to feed birds. And if that's not the most Woodfordian thing I've ever seen, I don't know what is because it's like you said, it's it's like not just telling people off, it's telling people off, but like nicely. Like yeah, we actually, set up we set up a whole chat on why you shouldn't feed birds instead of just putting up a sign. Like that's that's great. <laughs> I actually regret that I didn't hear that because I always <laughs> trying to tell my friends that it's not a good idea to yeah. feed the birds. And like there is place in Sydney that you. You can feed kakadus like you cannot, but the people people do, do it anyway. So, and I have few friends that feeding magpies on the oh. on the balcony. So oh, like not the magpies. Yeah, they, <laughs> and then the next person wouldn't feed them, and they would be very aggressive. Exactly. So, like, I wish I caught that, that talk actually as well yeah. because that's really interesting. Because in Finland, it's very traditional and typical that we feed our birds in the winter but when with they're like. Bread. No, no, we bread. You you will put. They sell these things in the stores, but inside a bag you have a bunch of seeds oh. and milled seed in a bag. Yes, yeah, and cool. you you hang it up in a tree, so the birds can go into the tree and. Oh yeah, I, that's I good feel, because I feel during winter it's different. Because um, like especially in, oh, well, especially <laughs> in Scandinavia, Scandinavia winters are tough, and Germany as well. Yeah. Like, we get the same thing. But yeah. here, if you feed a magpie like your chips, it's sort of you yeah, know, that's it's, a very that's different a thing. Bit, it's not supposed yeah. to be eating potato yeah. chips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna get high cholesterol, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's high not, blood pressure. It, it's not even about the diet. It's about like um, 
birds need to learn how to scavenge the food by themselves. Exactly. So, like, if you're feeding them all the time, they would expect you to feed them. Mm. And then if if the next person wouldn't feed them, they would be aggressive because they still will be waiting for the food. That's right. So that's the most important. But feeding the wrong food. Like, in Poland now, nowadays, there is a big talk about feeding the birds with the bread because, like, like we used to like in the winter the same the swans mm-hmm. we would feed with the with the bread but like there is a big talk about that and we shouldn't if we do that we shouldn't use the bread we should do the grains and stuff yeah. like yeah, that because because now the bread is not too good for anyone yeah I they think. can't actually digest it very well at all yeah yeah and i guess in finland you don't feed them from your hand mm. like you just put the food outside so they can go on their own because i yeah, think there yeah. might be an issue with them you know yeah. with their smell too familiar with stuff humans like and yeah. yeah i mean that way they're still sort of scavenging for it they're not you know like being hand fed sort of. so it, it that's what i meant it's it's a bit different if you do it sort of with millety during the winter but yeah don't don't feed the magpies please guys <laughs> or the guanas don't get bitten don't come crying to me if you get bitten actually don't just just don't do it <laughs> that's the or, rundown of or the, the binge yes that's pretty much the rundown. Yes, don't feed the ibis, don't feed the turkeys. It, it's so it. it's so interesting because I wouldn't even think about feeding goanna. Like right? I don't know. Like it's scary. It looks like dinosaur a bit, <laughs> and it's it, it it, it's walking like dinosaur yeah, as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't feed it. I, I mean, I see something that's like two meters tall, like wide. I'm not. I'm not going close to that. I'm not feeding that. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> but about Woodford and funny situation, I actually saw the girl that was typing something on the phone and nearly step on the goanna and like everyone everyone around starts screaming like watch out watch out watch out there is a goanna and she's like oh yeah that's interesting (laughs) don't walk while on your phone yeah Yeah, exactly just look where you're going we've got some amazing chats coming up we've had a lot of interviews today but i feel it's worth it because there's so many amazing acts here and it'd be amiss not to feature that because i mean they often just have really insightful things to say and if if not insightful at least they're a good time um, such as the case with the next act we've both seen them nelly and i think Bruce saw them as well the brother <laughs>
happens. We're just going to go do it. <laughs> Have you guys seen any cool acts? Um, we love the East Pointers. Oh, yes. Yeah. So those are the, yeah. the ones that We've I... been very jet-lagged, so we're looking forward to seeing more stuff tonight and really yeah. checking things out. And... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. One last question. Mets or Yankees? Uh, Mets. We're Brooklyn. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure having you. We're the Brother Brothers, and you're listening to 4EB, 98.1 FM. Two, three, you one, two.
have to say, definitely one of my standard performances, this Woodford. The Brother Brothers, Adam and David Moss from Brooklyn, New York. Come all the way here, first time Australia, first time playing Woodford. And um, they're actually going to be touring around Australia after this. So um, come and check them out if you haven't already. And they'll be playing today as well. If you catch them, see them around, say hi. They're identical twins. They're very hard to miss. And um, don't actually t talk about the twins thing. They don't like to hear that. But yes, uh, we're, we're here, 4EB, 98.1 FM. You're listening to Wake Up at Woodfordia. Yes, we're trying to be loud again because we have to wake up. It is 8.10 a.m. It is finally time to be up. With me in the studio, Nelly from the Finnish group, Marek from the Polish group, and our new guest in the studio. She's finally woken up. She's finally here and ready. It's Kwesi from the African group. Hello, Kwesi. Hello, hello. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, uh, happy New Year. Had a bit of drama in my tents <laughs> this morning, so apologies for my late arrival. Uh, but no, absolutely grateful to be here. I think it's a fantastic way to start off the new year. Uh, there's been a lot of celebrations I at heard. Woodford. Yeah, did everyone enjoy themselves? Yes, of course. Yeah, like celebration yesterday was so good, and I I love the elephants session that was playing yeah. at the midnight in the amphi, and and I like the atmosphere in the amphi as well. Mm. It was very nice. And there was some guests coming to the stage as well. Like the there was Aboriginal kid on the stage as well, dancing to the to the music. So that was cool. Yeah. Nice. So crazy. What did you do last night? Um. So I listened to one of the elephant. Is it elephant tracks? Elephant session on the end. Yes, thank you. Elephant session. Elephant tracks or something else. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, we we always confuse because there's similar name and mm. like elephant. We elephant. don't know why there's two elephants. They're spelled differently, but oh, that's that's sort of they? it. It's elephant with an F for elephant tracks. Oh. Um, but yeah, they they had a birthday bash at Ampi a couple of, a couple of days ago. Yeah, so that's true. That's that's where you forget it. But anyway, yes. yeah. To answer your question, I listened to I forgot his name, which is awful. But I listened to a Sikh rapper, um, very progressive. Mm. Um, so I listened to him up and in, like into the midnight, and then we did a countdown, and then I went to Elephant John, like sorry, El Elephant John, Elton John's. <laughs> <laughs> Elton John sing along. Yes, were you got were you there? No, I wasn't, but Alex, I think, was. Absolutely amazing in atmosphere, very full. You can tell that Elton John is a loved character in Australia. Mm. And he's currently touring, am I right? Uh, farewell tour, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I had an amazing New Year. And then, yeah, went off to the campsite, and we know the rest of the story from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems everyone sort of, uh, you know, enjoyed themselves in their own way, which is great. Very reflective of, of Woodford, I feel. Everyone can sort of have their own journey, so. Like Elton John, and there were... There were there was also the guy who was singing the Queen songs, like the Freddie oh, Mercury really? alike, and that was a cool show as well. Like everyone knows the songs and singing there. Mm. Oh, wow. and that happened last night. Yes, oh, in wow, Luna. Yeah. And the guy actually did the stage dive. The crowd died. So yeah, Marek did some some sick photos. Yeah. Oh, Marek, you have been everywhere. Have you watched <laughs> a single performance entirety in its entirety yet? The only one, and <laughs> that's the one that we'll have interview very soon. So I talked with my friends, and they were just one day. And I said, if you want one day at Woodford, that's the show you have to see. And All right, time to play it, I think. Time to play it. Yes, we interviewed uh, Captain Kidd from Club Briefs. Brisbane-based uh, circus company, but they've toured all over the world. They're super, super famous, and they're amazing. They're pushing boundaries with every show, with every performance. And I have to say, Captain Kid might have well been the most outrageous one in the entire show, which is a tough gig because the entire show was incredibly outrageous and amazing. But 
Yes, Captain Kidd, uh, perfect number with uh, trapeze and, and a big water bath. And you got some amazing photos of that as well, I saw. Yeah, and, that's um, true. Yeah, go check Marek's photos at his Instagram, 4UB Facebook page, and uh, Instagram there as well. But Quasi and I had a chat with Captain Kidd yesterday, and let's see how we got on. Hello, this is Quasi and Julian from Radio 4EB and 4ZZZ with Captain Kidd from Club Briefs. Hello. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Myself, I'm good. Yeah, Woodford has been amazing. Um, this is our last night, the closing night of the festival. Oh, no, 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 we've got tomorrow off, but this is our last show, New Year's Eve, and we have a very special guest coming tonight. I saw that on your Instagram page. I'm excited. How many shows have you done so far? This is our fifth. Fifth show. Yeah, fifth show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really want to say, Captain Kidd, congratulations on such a fantastic show. What was the inspiration behind creating such a non-apologetic and celebratory show? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we've, myself and Fez, who's the artistic director of the show, we're partners in business and crime, and we started Briefs probably 11 years ago. Yeah, in West End in Brisbane, and it was a, it, it was a reaction to... Um, being out in the valley and not really having a place anymore to, you know, that we were comfortable with. So we ended up just putting on our own parties and with friends performing and trying out new acts. And, um, yeah, it just turned into a show. And now this is like 11 years later. We have three productions. This is our fun, crazy, stupid club night. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I really have to commend about the show is its inclusion. So never before have I felt so represented in a show with different ethnicities, non-conforming genders. Um, I just felt like everyone was welcome. Was that something that was by mistake or design? No, definitely um, well thought out in the way we present stuff. But it's, it was natural because we're, um, you know, myself and Fez are partners and he's from Samoa and he's a Fafafini, which is, you know, what is a third gender in a lot of different cultures. So there's the whole backlog of that. We have, um, yeah, always have included all makes and models of the male, the male body, whether it is male or whether it is whatever it is. So we're always inclusive and it's never really been a massive, massive topic. It's always just been a natural inclusion, I think, yeah. Do you think that's reflected in mainstream media? Yeah, a lot has changed in the last few years about all things like that. Yeah, which is, I think it becomes a bit complex um, and I'm totally all on board with everything about openness and inclusion and everything. But we're just, yeah, we're just here to entertain and we're here to just make people think outside of their box and our favorite thing is to have an audience that is from all over whether it's gay straight you know teens grannies everyone that's here is to be entertained and yeah and the political side of stuff just naturally comes through with fez's emceeing and the, the certain acts have um definitely political bite in them and so, um, speaking of that audience, uh, like, do you reckon Woodford's received you well? Like, I was here yesterday, I was absolutely blown away by it, and I think the audience was as well. Like, they, they were having a great time, so do you reckon that's that's been good? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Woodford has been amazing. We haven't been here for seven years, so um, it's been amazing to come back because we, yeah, pretty much tried out a lot of stuff here many years ago, and, yeah, Woodford have been very supportive with our company, which is a very special thing. A big comment that a lot of people have said, and I've heard myself, is that the calibre of talents on the stage is phenomenal. What is the process in finding everyone? Like, I know you've recruited them all around Australia. Yeah, I think just because we've been touring the globe, you know, for many years now, on and off and around Australia as well, we always see performers, friends have people that they recommend, and we we always looking at, you know, acts that we go and see. And um, But a lot of people do come to us as well and approach us, and we go like, right, let's do this and try stuff out or 
yeah, but it's it's that's a very exciting part of putting on a show, I think, is having new talent. And their skill level has just risen a lot, which is incredible. Mm. Well, I'm very ignorant in terms of the circus community, and I've learned a lot being here at Woodford. Would you say Australia still has a lot to learn about circus art, and is there a lot of places to perform? Well, Australian circus, Brisbane is a massive, Brisbane and Melbourne are the two main cities for circus in Australia. You know, Melbourne has the, you know, university. Brisbane has a massive scene that stems for decades of independent punk circus and which has influenced us a lot. And yeah, there's many companies based in Brisbane that tour the globe that aren't funded, that are just doing their thing and just um, representing, representing circus. And there's a definite style with certain circuses in Australia. We have our own style, so it's very... Um, it's interesting when we go overseas to, say, London in the summer and there's, like, four main circus companies that are mainly from Brisbane, you know, representing on the South Bank. And, yeah, but, um, yeah, Australia, I think this has... It's been quite a few years since the circus tent has been to Woodford. It's missed a few years, but um, I think hopefully every year it'll be back. Yeah. And is there a lot of opportunities to perform around Australia? There is a lot, but not as much as overseas, obviously. But um, there's a lot of there's a massive fringe circuit now: Adelaide, Melbourne, uh, Sydney Fringe, and Perth. It, Perth has become the largest fringe festival. So the summer circuit is massive. Um, you know, there's independent, smaller theatres coming up and opening up opportunities for smaller companies. And yeah, it's building. It's slowly growing, but there is um, you definitely. Or if you want to get to a caliber of touring a lot of the year you got to actually go overseas for a lot of the time as well yeah if you want to pursue it hardcore yeah and what is the hard work that happens in the background is there a lot of practice what goes into yeah. creating a circus I mean, yeah we have you know the glamour of once we step on stage but it is super hard work and it's you know it's it's definitely it has to be in your blood it has to be passionate it has to be 100 percent. otherwise it's just it's extra hard if it's not you know a part of your life um yeah, but super hard work. So part of part of your performance as well is sort of like the the, the get up, right? Like the costume, the makeup, and and that visual performance aspect. How long does it take you to get ready before each show? Yeah, as you can see, I've only just started putting my makeup on. Um, I, my face, I do sort of like an androgynous drag, sort of glamoury, sparkly face. Takes about fifty minutes, I guess. Some people take quicker, some people take way longer. <laughs> and then the warm up, you know, having a good decent stretch, warm up. Um, little bubbles here or there hmm. so so what do you do to keep in shape because you, you need a lot of core strength for what you're doing surely yes um well for me personally i think being show fit because we perform a lot i think that is a you know daily thing of performing but when we're, when we're not on tour um people do their own training in different sort of disciplines yoga or stretching or actually training hardcore but i i sort of give my body a bit of a break in between touring because we do tour a lot but, um, yeah, there's a point where you... For me, my body, it's about how it feels, not so much how it looks, but if it's, it's, if it's feeling strong, then I'm happy. Yeah. So my final two questions, from me at least, what is your favourite city or place to tour? Oh, that's very hard. Um, recently, we did Ziggit Festival, which is in Budapest. That was an incredible place to perform in a Spiegel tent with a thousand people a night um, which was a completely different experience that we've ever had um, London's great for us London in the summertime is brilliant for us we've built a massive fan base there and yeah and where else Berlin is brilliant we haven't been there for a few years but it's incredible yeah so we do travel a lot I'm surprised you didn't say Vancouver you really went for the European I cities I do love Vancouver as well <laughs> we're going back there actually in April yeah 
And um, this might be a completely self-serving question, I acknowledge, but if someone wanted to join the circus, myself as an adult, what would you recommend I do? I would recommend just do it because I actually started quite late in life. Um, I started doing trapeze when I was probably late 20s. Yeah, definitely late 20s. Um, where some kids, you know, start when they're three years old. But I think, you know, put your mind to it, you can do absolutely anything. And I've had friends that have started, you know, in their 30s and it's made no difference whatsoever. And they're shining, you know. And we, we have amazing friends that are still performing aerials in their 50s. And yeah, I think it's all in the head. Definitely, if you want to make anything happen, just do it. <laughs> oh, so what's, what's next after the, the amazing water number that you have? Do you have anything in the pipeline? The water number is my favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> The freedom of it's brilliant, and the audience—you know—visually, it's quite, quite pleasing for the audience. Um, yeah, I got, oh, there's oh, many ideas, heaps of ideas, always many ideas to make new acts, and just actually get, getting the time in between touring to actually sitting down, be, you know, and actually creating something. But it, that'll come, that'll come <laughs> when we have a break. <laughs> and the majority of our listeners are in Brisbane, so if they wanted to come see you live and the show, where can they head to next? Brisbane, we love Brisbane. We haven't been to Brisbane for a little while. Um, we'll definitely be back in Brisbane next year, not sure when. We just did Gold Coast, Miami, Marquetta, which was fun, that was close to Brizzy. Um, we're heading to Perth next, but yeah, I'm not sure when the next Brisbane episode will be, hopefully soon. We, that's our hometown where we made the thing. <laughs> so Perth is your next location? Yes, we're opening a new venue, this incredible venue called the Rackabites, um, right on the main strip in downtown Perth. Yep, um, for a month, yeah. Nice. Again, I just want to say a huge thank you, Captain Kidd, for speaking with us today and a fantastic show. I probably will be seeing it again yeah. tonight. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much.
Come on, come on, Fato by the Bowen Markovic Orchestra. They were playing a couple of days ago here as well at the lovely Woodford Folk Festival, which sadly is nearing its last uh, couple of days. Uh, days, wow, that would be lovely. No, it's nearing its last couple of hours. Um, we're packing up tonight, aren't we? We've got the closing ceremony at five, we just said. So five or six or seven? No, I already forgot. Didn't I say no? Man. No, 7.50. 7.50, there you go. 7.54. A good bit of time, so if you're still around by then, come on and check it out. Uh, what what have we been talking about? I'm I'm getting sidetracked again. Can I um just ask you guys what sort of um your final thoughts on the whole festival experience? Mm, good idea. How have I'm, you liked it? I will be first because mm. I will compare it a bit to the previous ones. So I have a feeling that there is less stuff to do on the festival, which is a bit disappointing. I don't know why, really? but there is less stuff to like. There is less workshops around. Like there was a blacksmith before, and there was a few more that I saw, and now it's just missing. Uh, I'm wondering if that will be back next year or not. Maybe that's also with the like blacksmith with the fire. Maybe could I be. I don't know. But other than that, it was amazing. Like I love it. I love every bit of it. I love the uh, how they choose the artists and stuff. Maybe a bit disappointed about Hot Potato Band, which is like Woodford Band as well, like mm. the same as uh, oh now I forget the name East. I don't know. The same as the older band that is the Woodford Grown Band. So right. So. I'm, I love them and a bit disappointed that they're not, not here this year. Better than that, like I made so many friends. I I knew I know so much more music now. So that's amazing. I love it, and I probably will be here next year too. And what I want to know from you is, what's your insights and if you want to be back next year, Nelly? Your I turn. wouldn't mind coming back because hmm? I've um, had a great time. Wouldn't mind. That doesn't <laughs> like. It's not too exciting. That's a finish understatement. I would love to come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In reality. Cool. Because it's been it's been really good. Even if I've you know complained a little bit about the ants, I've had some you know episodes with them in the campground but um mostly i've still that's part of the festival life as well though yes. it's you're you're away from some of the comforts you have at home but it's kind of you know it's just how it is and like afterwards you just remember the highlights don't you exactly once you get your shower and and sort of like your bed and your ac back you're going to be like well you know all the camping that was so and so but you know you remember all the great acts you saw you're right I also think it's a bit harder for the people that don't camp usually. Like, I camp a yes. lot, so I'm just used to that. I, I camp as well. Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> like, I think this festival... So I think the festival, in and of itself, it's amazing. It's eye-opening. You're really exposed to different things. In terms of camping, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, sharing facilities. And I think that's kind of a common critique by people who don't camp, as you mentioned. However, I do like that the... The festival does offer day tickets, yes. Um, and so camping is not mandatory. It's just that Woodford is quite you, off the map. Like so. you can even you can even get only parking tickets and get some Airbnb in Woodford and just drive from there. Or but just leave like, in your car if you want to. Check. I cannot imagine having that 
huge festival with the different facilities than camping. Yeah, you have to do it. It's just like like I said, it's yeah. it's part of it, and I'm okay yeah. with it. I I do camp, but I would say the situation compared to being in a like national park campground is that it's a lot more crowded. Mm, we yes. are quite close <laughs> together and cozy in the campground. There's been a lot of you know finding your way in the dark, tripping you know, over each other's over. tents. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that's but it's, true. it's all it's all good fun. It, it is a bit different, but also for the people that are not used to camping there is also like glamping setup that they yeah. already do like there is this whole village of big tents that you can hire in here and live there but i think, I think it's, it's a very expensive option though if you're pay paying 150 a night you might as well be in a hotel True. or something like True. it's a very expensive option or spend two weeks in asia yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but, but you know some some people want to get like the 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 really glamorous experience and then also have a great time with the festival so there are if there's a market for it you know you can't knock it but i actually have solution for you hiring the mm -hmm. camper van or the motorhome and coming here with your own shower, own bed, own, all everything. That would be great. I think for Quasi and me, both of our tents are quite <laughs> small, so we can't really spend any time inside them except lying down. <laughs> so I think that's also part of, you know, that's just what I chose to bring here, I guess, the small tent. But normally when you're in a campground, you can, you know, spread out a little mm. bit more. You can have your table and chairs. We don't really have the space but, for that. But I mean, also, if, you, if you're spending time at the tent, you're kind of doing it wrong here, I feel. Like, yes, you, you can relax, but I mean, we've got a nice area up here and generally being at the festival is probably like what people are actually here for so like bringing a massive tent is i don't know it's sort of i would consider it a side grade like it's not like necessary i feel no you yeah, can but get i think with the that. downtown is quite important in my that's opinion true, like i true. think we've been lucky because we are with the medium up here um however if i was a festival going goer and all season camping i'd really really struggle to not have my own space true. even for moments true. of the day so I'm, I'm looking at it from from atop the hillside from atop the ivory tower so yeah, yeah no you are right you're right yeah um we've got some some lovely stuff for you coming up by the way you're listening to 4b wake up at woodfordia um it is currently 8 34 and 25 seconds so we're nearing the end of our program but don't fret we have some amazing stuff for you coming right up sage uh shantaya and uh, joey from the new south wales town of belling bellingen bellingen has anyone ever been there i'm not sure how to pronounce I'll it say i have that's the problem with with country towns you never know how to pronounce but Bellingen, Bellingen, uh, New South Wales, they're the winner of the Folk Alliance Australia Youth Awards this year. And as part of, you know, that amazing award and that amazing achievement, they've been invited to play at Woodford and they did so at Bob's Bar a couple of days ago. Monica has been there. She's had a chat with them and listened to a bit of their set. And I actually stopped by for a little bit. And um, let's see how Monica got on and um, enjoy Sage. Monica from Radio 4EB, continuing and solidifying Australia's folk tradition and winner of the Folk Alliance Australia Youth Award is the folk duo SAGE, spelt S-A-I-J-E. I have with me here Shantaya and Joe, who had just performed live here at the stage of Bob's Bar at the Woodford Folk Festival. Shantaya, can you tell me about your songwriting, your music, and um, why did you start? So, I mean, we've both been playing forever. It just was something that was within us. I was, I used to sing myself to sleep when I was two weeks old. So music has always been a big part of who we are. But um, we started playing together as a duo about eight years ago and we were playing off and on for that time. And then in the last 
four years we were we've been playing more solidly and gigging lots and just chipping away at it, writing songs together. And we've released three CDs and, um, yeah, just trying to get out in the world. <laughs> wow, you guys have worked so hard. Three CDs already. Yeah, so we... Um yeah, I've done three, and our last one we released last week, so it's fresh off the press. It's called Kindred, and it is available on online and here at Woodford as well. Excellent. Just having heard your music, I would describe it having steady rhythms, percussive beats, and it's backed by warm, sharp vocals and full of the grassroots flavour. Belingen, it's famous for its river, its ice cream, and now yourselves, Sage. I love the last song in particular. What inspired you to write that song? So uh, we wrote that song in French. I kind of inspired it because it's a bit of a fun song about a man who buys sweets for his love, but then he eats them all on the way home, except for one of them. And I do that. That's a bit of a habit of mine. And so um, Joe was learning French at uni, and we're not fluent in French at all, but we really love the language, and it's something we want to develop. So we wrote a song in French, and we, yeah, it's a bit of a fun one that we love to play. Yeah, it's... Um yeah, inspired by Shantaya and a good way to practice our French, really. <laughs> Trying to put in some conjugations and grammar and a bit of extend our vocabulary. <laughs> I understand that you're travelling to New Orleans, the citadel of music. At some point, will you be travelling to Europe? Yes, we hope to do a Europe tour next year uh, for their summertime. So we're kind of looking at that now as well. Yeah, so we're also, we've booked in a Canada tour, which is going to be straight after our uh, gigs in New Orleans uh, throughout February. So that's our next trip. And then, yeah, like Shantaya said, hopefully next year we'll make it over to Europe too. I'm so happy that the both of you had been able to perform here first <laughs> at Woodford in Australia um, before you went elsewhere. Just like you described the bonbon, the sweets, um, they're environmentally friendly, locally made, and we have with us here two locally made talents. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. Hi, 4EB. This is Shantaya. And Joe. And we're from Sage. Je n'en ai pas comme 
Sage, Shantaya and Joe, uh, they're a folk duo, a uh, couple of young folks, they're um, playing some lovely music. They just won the Folk Alliance Awards and uh, they were playing Bob's Bar. Has anyone been to Bob's Bar, you guys? Yes. Yes? You enjoyed it? Some may say a little bit too much. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> completely um, joking. No, I really like Bob's Bar. I like all the bars here, though. I think they have a really cool atmosphere. Mm. Particularly love um, Pineapple Lounge. I think that's a really cool, uh, yeah. but it gets really busy. Oh, so it does, it's one it of those, does. Yeah. And this this year is 10 years anniversary of the Pineapple Lunch in, really? in Woodford. Wow, so. okay. Towards cool. the end of the festival, I also discovered a new bar that I had mm. managed to avoid. <laughs> so when uh, Julian and I went to see Club Briefs, there's a bar near that surf yeah, tent. Yeah, it's very nice yeah. with the old stuff. The yeah, jump, behind the, the, the jumble. Jumble behind jumble. the bus. It's very cool. It has these all yeah. these little spots. It's really it's nice. It's got a bathtub and to chill in. It's got, yeah, it's got a bit No in, water cool, just to yeah. sit in. It's a, it, there, they've got a camper pillows. van cut in half to, to chill in as well. It's, it's yeah. such a weird, like, yeah, it's just it an, cool. an amalgamation of stuff, but it's it looked very comfy. Yeah. I actually so. found a whiskey bar as well. Like, it's a small bar. On the side, you know where it is the. I've seen it near Grande. Near near Grande, yeah. It's it's very small, and I never seen it before. So hmm. it's it's very interesting it's how always many something things new. you would discover. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I know more more one more thing from the Woodford that I didn't know. Yesterday, I was going back from Amphitheater, and there was a few guys doing the photo with the lantern, like this this yellow ones that you're walking. And they said that every year there is one which is upside down and people like finding it and and there is just one which is like that. Oh. So it's on the way from Amphi to into the to the oh. main ground, which is interesting thing. I think it's like the history of that is one time someone put it the wrong way around <laughs> and then it started to become a thing every year. So every every year one is up, upside down. And you can find it. Well, Woodford's gone on for so long that it has like in jokes now, which that's yeah. amazing. It's the longest running folk festival in in Australia and in general. I think we were told by a lovely lady yesterday. Um, I'll take it with a grain of salt because you know uh, random pub uh, trivia. I'm I'm never sure about it, but um, if that is indeed the case, and if someone wants to enlighten me about that, that's amazing. And um, they've been doing a great job here. We've got. Um, Quasi's Quasi's been our intrepid reporter. I have to say, she's gotten all the the great pollies and all some uh, some of the good acts here. 
and um, she's she's talked to the Greens minister, uh, not minister, no, the Greens member for Wollongabba. Um, yeah, the councillor. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Shri, or uh, Jono as he likes to be called. He is here at Woodford uh, in a private uh, way, but he's also going to be given a talk today at 10.15 at the Greenhouse called A Rough Blueprint for a Revolution. But he'll spruik down himself in the interview, I was told. But um, let's hear how he got on. John is a lovely guy and uh, a great patron of 4EB as well, I've been told. So if you're listening, g'day Mr. Sri. Hope you're enjoying your interview. Hello, you're listening to Wake Up To with Fauria. I'm with Jonathan Shree, the councillor for Wollongabba Region. And today we are at the Woodford Festival and he will be presenting a talk on New Year's Day, I believe. That's right. I'm presenting a talk called uh Work in progress, rough blueprint to revolution. So I'm looking at pathways to social change and the relationship between electoral politics and community organising and civil disobedience and protest. And basically, there's a lot of people at Woodford who really have a exciting vision for a different kind of society. They want a world that's more sustainable and more equitable, but it's kind of a question of how do we get there? How do we get from our current system and set government arrangements to something that's more democratic and yeah, it's, so it'll be an interesting talk and it'll be interesting to see who turns up and gets in, engaged. Fabulous. And this was New Year's Day, 10 a.m.? Yeah. So 10 a.m. New Year's Day at the Greenhouse. So I'm be, yeah, unpacking sort of what forms of activism are effective and, and what we need to do to really transform our democracy in particular. So looking at ideas like deliberative democracy, where instead of just electing people once every four years and trusting that they do the right thing, we actually have more involved forms of participatory decision making where ordinary people get more of a say in how their yeah how their world is structured and governed which i think is really interesting to a lot of people here at the festival and there's a lot of people who yeah they really want to see big changes in the world and a lot of people are feeling really despondent about some of the current crises that we're facing as a society so they're really keen for answers and ideas on how do we how do we change things I think that Woodford Woodford is quite a unique festival in the in terms that we have quite open communication between audiences and guests speakers. Are you looking forward to kind of participating with everyone? There? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a bit sad that the session only is 45 minutes long because I'd love to have a lot more time for a proper question and answer session and facilitate a discussion because I think it's one thing just to talk at people for half an hour, but you really want time for a two-way dialogue and I think historically that's something that Woodford's done pretty well is to have a lot of opportunities for participation, a lot of open mic uh, shows and, and segments and lots of opportunities for audiences to ask questions and their, share their thoughts as well. Um, unfortunately, sometimes when you have tight programs, you lose a little bit of that. And I think this year, maybe there hasn't been quite as much of that sort of open mic and open discussion space as there have been at some previous festivals. But Woodford, for me, is, it's still one of my favourite festivals. And I've been coming for years now, and I think it's actually one of, it's been a bit of a gateway to alternative cultures and uh, alternative ways of seeing the world like it's I think a lot of people come to Woodford and this is their first step into a countercultural space and they learn about sustainability and they learn about not only other cultures but other ways of seeing our own culture and I think that's quite powerful and that's why I keep coming back here. I absolutely agree with you there. When you previously came to Woodford, have you always been speaking or have you come as a guest? Yeah, so for years I've 
was coming as a volunteer and I was lucky enough to volunteer as an announcer where you basically get to hang backstage and meet the bands and then announce them before they go on stage. And then more recently, I've done a few years as a performer, performing with my hip-hop band Rivermouth and a couple of times I've come as a speaker and been talking about issues like this, about gentrification, about housing affordability, about politics and revolution and social change and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely really cool to be able to come and, and participate and share rather than just to come and I guess be a passive audience member and I think that's one of the things that it's always a tension at these sorts of sorts of festivals because I think what artists want and probably what the organizers want is for people to be active participants you don't want people to just come there and passively consume culture there's sort of an extractivist element to that where particularly in, in say the Woodford context you have a whole bunch of largely upper middle class people white audience consuming the culture of other ethnic groups and that can feel kind of weird so it's a lot better when we can create spaces for participation and everyone's sharing and everyone's getting up and singing or dancing or taking part in it rather than just sort of yeah people of color and people from diverse backgrounds performing on stage and then a predominantly white audience just watching and and clapping at the end it's interesting that you say that because last time we spoke um it was at the asia pacific City Summit, um, and you did raise the critique that it didn't seem to be, like the multiculturalism wasn't as apparent as they believed it was. Why do you think Woodford is different? I think Woodford is probably a little bit more genuine in celebrating the richness of different cultures rather than just focusing on superficial and tokenistic ideas of what multiculturalism is. So often the critique of multiculturalism in the West is that it's just, oh, people, they eat different food and they wear different clothes and look, they sing with a funny accent or whatever. Um, whereas true multiculturalism is about valuing the different ways that cultures see the world and understand our existence as human beings. And I think Woodford does a slightly better job of making space for a little bit of that, where there are talks from different artists. So you're not just watching them perform, you're also getting to hear their philosophies and the theory behind what they do. And as well as that, there are a lot of other kinds of interactive workshops and elements where you can drill down into the, the culture and the philosophy behind the art, which I think is really important. But again, it sort of depends on the the attendee as to how they engage with that stuff. Some people, they might just go along to watch all the, the performances and not actually wait around to listen to the artists talk about their work or they might, yeah, go along and, and they'll learn the, the dance from some other culture that's new to them but they won't take the time to understand the, the cultural significance of that particular dance and art form. So a lot of it comes down to the intention that people bring to the festival. Are they there to meaningfully engage with and learn from other cultures or are they there just to be entertained and passively consume, which is two very different things. Do you think it's possible to be to adequately learn cultures in such a kind of short passive space? Yeah, I mean, you can never learn everything there is to learn about a culture um, and all forms of engagement with other cultures are going to be limited to some extent because you can never truly know everything about another person um, and certainly we're enculturated to have certain blind spots or gaps in our understanding where we might not even we're not even aware of what we're not aware of essentially and so but i think it is possible to have festivals that showcase different cultures and 
present different art forms and styles of performance, but that also do justice to the artists by giving them a platform to share their ideas and share the significance of their work. And that's, yeah, something I really enjoy about Woodford is that there are a lot of talks on during the day. So you'll you'll see an artist one night at, at a 10 and you'll have a dance to them and really enjoy it. But then the next day you might go along to a talk where someone's interviewing the artist and asking them why they write that music and what's the historical or regional significance of the music they're playing. And I think that's really valuable about a festival like Woodford, whereas there are lots of other spaces where that doesn't happen in the same way. Mm. That, I think, is important for a festival like this not to be exploitative and extractivist, etc. Yeah, and I think really the I think the gap or the, the challenge that Woodford hasn't quite dealt with yet is that probably a, a, a pretty high proportion of the pain customers, the attendees, are largely of a Western European or Anglo-Australian background. So there's a fairly diverse range of performers and it's really cool to see lots of people of colour up on stage and um, it, that even does filter through to sort of the main stages, even on the on the bigger stages you do see First Nations peoples and um, people from diverse backgrounds getting like the, what you'd call the headline slots, which is amazing. But it's still, I think, a little bit of a shame that Woodford hasn't been able to get more people from different ethnic communities to actually come along and enjoy the festival and it, and often I'll have an experience where I'll be sitting watching an amazing performer on stage and almost everyone in the audience is white and that I think raises yeah really interesting questions about who are these festivals for who's benefiting is it just yeah people of color entertaining white people for the satisfaction of those white people or is that it actually a two-way exchange where we're learning from each other and mm. it's i mean you're never going to get this stuff perfect and i think woodford does a much better job than a lot of festivals but it's an ongoing tension and challenge mm. and whilst i have you i'm just going to move a tiny bit away from woodford mm. and i kind of want to get your standpoint on this sure. um a big contentious issue that australia has faced of late is the idea of lack of civic engagement in politics mm. and just people being very kind of fed up mm. with politics across the board yeah. how do you think that we can raise engagement and make politics more meaningful for australians so yeah. they're not kind of frustrated all the time yeah i could rant all day on this and if you want to if you want a long detailed answer you could probably come along to my talk or watch a recording of it online but in a nutshell i think people have disengaged in part because they don't feel like our political representatives actually care what they think anyway. So there's a sense of why should I bother paying attention? Why should I bother writing to my MP or giving feedback or being an informed voter because what I care about doesn't matter anyway? So I think that's part of the problem. Um, but I think our system is designed to foster disengagement because our form of hierarchical representative democracy is structured around the idea of outsourcing civic responsibility. So we vote once every three or four years for someone else to make the decisions for us rather than us having to engage with those tricky issues ourselves. And so I, I would argue that representative democracy itself fosters disengagement because people are basically getting choosing someone else to make all the decisions for them so they don't have to think about it. Um, but I think disengagement or that sort of political disempowerment also occurs because people don't have the time and energy. They're so busy trying to pay the mortgage and just get by in life that the idea of finding spare time in the week to go along to a public meeting or to get involved in detailed discussions about politics and social change seems unachievable to a lot of people. And that's why I think it's interesting at spaces like Woodford where people actually have enough time in the day to sit down and listen to talks and discussions about new ideas and 
different ways of seeing the world because they're they're not working 40 hours a week um and so yeah i i really think we have a, a crisis of democracy not just in australia but in most nations and the solution is around decentralizing and localizing democracy. So moving away from the idea that we should be centralizing power in the hands of a few privileged elites and instead develop systems where we can share power around a much larger, like the citizenry as a whole. And and when people have a meaningful say, they may actually step up and take responsibility because often the argument is, oh, we can't give people more of a say because they'll make bad decisions. But actually, ordinary people are smart and when you give them the time and the information, they can make good decisions. You just have to foster and facilitate that. So, yeah, I think there's there's a real opportunity at the moment where a lot of people are cynical about mainstream politics and they're hungry for change and the challenge is to articulate different ways of doing this stuff that are, are more democratic and more accessible to everyone. Thank you so much. I look forward to your talk. I'll definitely be there. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Hello. We're here with Georgia from Yuck Circus, who has just performed at the circus tent at Woodford. Georgia, could you just tell us a little bit about Yuck Circus? Yeah, of course. So we're a seven-strong female acrobatic group coming from West Australia, and we've just done a year of touring both nationally and internationally. And basically the idea is that we highlight what it's like growing up as a woman in Australia and what it's like growing up in contemporary circus. So it's a bit of a hybrid of that. Excellent. And what was the inspiration or to conceptualise the show? I'm really lucky that in my cast I've got, uh, you know, national gymnasts, I've got dancers and theatre performers and drama teachers, but all of us have had a touch of circus in our lives. So when I, you know, wrote the show and pulled it all together, I had this amazing bank of resource to upon and you know it's hard to generalize circus anymore so it's nice to just be able to you know put a dance act in or you know talk nonsense for a little bit and all that kind of stuff. Australia is like one of the frontiers of circus I had no idea until I came to the yeah came today yeah. to the festival so you grew up with, um, with circus and WA circus scene could you tell us a little bit about how that is like? Yeah I'm really lucky to come from a community circus in Broome and actually at this festival, there's another two broom performers. Uh, they're in Briefs Club. And there's a few, you know, a few more around uh, the world, really, at the moment. We're, West Australia is a really good breeding ground for creative art. We have to fight hard to make it out of our isolated state. And so our content's always interesting or high-skilled or a blend of the two. So coming over to the eastern states, this is our third performance but our first one ever in Queensland it's nice to share it with other people who are Eastern State performers and make those connections and do you think that there's a lot of creatives in Broome especially yeah totally it's a place that it actually reminds me thank you thank you so much yeah she is she is amazing she's super super cool that was Georgia from Yuck Circus I super super sorry to have to cut you off and and your amazing interview you've been doing such a good job but we're sadly running out of time for this last episode of wake up at woodfordia i hope everyone has woken up and i hope everyone's had a lovely lovely time at woodford i just want to give out some thanks to 4eb for having us uh, and and letting us broadcast thank you to nelly from the finnish group crazy from the african group Marek from the polish group 
And thank you, Monica. Julian. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Me from, from the, the German, German group. group. Yes, I was going to do that at the end. Yeah. Uh, Monica, Monica from the multicultural group. Uh, we've got Bador and uh, Baruch from the Persian group. Alex, our lovely tech and staff member. Georgia from 4ZZZ, who's been doing such a great job with the SCAR acts here. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and facilitating and just supporting us over over the time. And everyone that stopped by and talked yeah. about 4AB and what we're doing. That's very cool that we're sharing the word. Exactly. Thank you to Mama Mama. Rangi, for instance, for coming by. Thank you to Mackenzie. A couple of days ago, came by, spruiked his band. Big All shout the, out to Chris. Yes, He's big shout out to Chris, our, our resident uh, hangout man. Um, just in, in general, we, we've got some stuff on Spotify. Come and check us out. Um, we'll be posting all the episodes up there. Listen in to 4EB 98.1 FM. We've got Global. We've got iHeartRadio. We've got all your radio needs. And I'll leave you with a couple of seconds of the Nav- Navahang Ensemble Medley of Tunes. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Year.